back to just talking about uh, uh, where Bitcoin is. Because when you remember when it ran up to 14,000 and then pulled back to about 9,000, you said, yeah, no, I got a little bit out. I wish I'd sold some. At 14, yeah. you copped to that. You got in trouble. The stackers all rode in. Novogratz says, you know, paper hands or whatever the heck they're called. All right, now you're, you got the 62. Now we're at 45. What are your hands feeling like? Are they paper? Are they? How come you're not doing the same thing? Why aren't you saying, you know what? I've made 10 times my money. Why don't I get out and then stack when it comes down back down to 20? So you must not think it's going back to 20. I, I think 40 should hold. You know, I think we're going to be at a 40 to 55 range for a while. We'll consolidate and then we'll have another leg up. And I say that not just by guessing. We see institutions moving in and it takes them a while, right? UBS, Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, almost every bank is on the way into their wealth channels. They're not there yet. They're getting set up. They're getting their funds ready. And so you think about just Morgan Stanley for a second, right? 2013, 14, I think I was like the lone Wall Street guy screaming about Bitcoin. Uh, Morgan Stanley just trained 4,000 financial advisors to sell Bitcoin. And so we're going to have these armies of newly anointed prophesizers, salesmen who have learned the, the technology, have learned why it's important in your portfolio, all going out to the bulk of wealth in America, 50 to 80 year olds. And I think that's going to have an impact. Uh, so it doesn't happen 40, overnight. You would, you would stack at 40. You would start. I would stack at 40. Happy Bitcoin Tuesday, freaks. It's your boy Odell here for another Citadel Dispatch. Last time we did one of these, last Bitcoin Tuesday, uh, <laughs> we were we were up a humble $13,500 from where we are today. Uh, <laughs> it's been a 24% decrease week over week since last Bitcoin Tuesday. Hope you guys are all hodling in there and... Uh, you didn't get to let your ego get to you too much and you, you weren't leveraged and, and you didn't get blown the fuck out. Um, because if that's the case, then you're in stackers paradise right now, accumulating some cheap sets. Um, Citadel Dispatch is the interactive live show about Bitcoin distributed systems, privacy and open source software coming to you every Tuesday. This is our 22nd episode. Very excited about it. Um, to those coming in through our audio streams, uh, our two podcast feeds, uh, that was our boy Joe Kernan on CNBC talking with Novogratz um, about stacking the dip and about weak hands. Uh, Novo is a bit of a shit corner, no doubt, but uh, it's always good to see that kind of talk on mainstream media. It's pretty funny how it is permeated everywhere. Um, uh, as always, I just want to do a big shout out to the ride or die freaks that are here in the live chat and that have supported the show. Um couldn't do without you guys. You guys are what it's about. Um, you really make uh, Bitcoin Tuesdays really special to me. So, so thank you to all you guys, especially if you're coming in through the podcasting 2.0. Um, the streaming sats is really fucking cool. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit on this show. Um, 
But if you haven't checked out Breeze app, like the, the, the Breeze app is, is you really see the future there. You can really see the future of, of being able to stream value directly to content creators um, rather than this ad model that is just like proliferated everywhere. So uh, definitely check that out if you haven't. Um, I also want to do a big shout out to our boy, Jack Mahler's living legend. Um, he set up the Indy race car. We're going to have a Bitcoin race car, car number 21 um, at the Indy 500 this weekend. Uh, he, uh, completely turned down any actual strike branding on uh, the race car. So it's going to be completely Bitcoin branded. Um, and they're accepting donations that will go to open source development. Um, so it's a really fantastic initiative. We had, I think Michael Saylor pledged $250,000 the other day, um, today, earlier today. So pressure all, uh, your businesses, in the Bitcoin community to, to step up to the plate and support open source development in probably the most baller fucking way possible, which is with a really fast fucking race car uh, in front of 144,000 people in Indianapolis. Um, and I've been supporting it as well. You can support it at strike.me slash racing. Any, any donations that come in through the LN URL uh, QR code on the bottom left hand of the screen, if you're watching the video stream throughout this stream, uh, will be split 50-50 with the, with the race car. Um, so uh, just trying to do my part to help this initiative. It's a really fucking great initiative, uh, and it really aligns well with the work we've been doing at OpenSats.org and also BitcoinDevilist.com. So I'm really excited about that. Um, with all that said, this is Citadel Dispatch 22. Uh, we have Evan Kalutis returning for his fifth show. Oh, um, man. What's up, freaks? Glad to be one, back. I, one I of our re- resident <laughs> lightning junkies. So it was important that he was here for the show last last week. Uh, if if you missed it, you should go and check it out. But there was a very deep dive into lightning privacy um, with our boy Anthony and Open Arms. So we're going to do the same fucking thing again. It's going to be another really deep fucking show um, on lightning and, and just continue that path. And, and we're fortunate enough to have Fiat Jaff here with us who um, – is someone I've admired a lot on the internet, uh, but I never heard his voice till today. So it's really excited to have him on the show. What's up, Fiat Jeff? Hey, what's up? Yeah. Uh, very Thank you prolific, for inviting me. Yeah. Very prolific Lightning developer. Uh, so really excited. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention before we jump into this is that I've been updating CitadelDispatch.com. Um, and now all of the episodes are up there with embedded videos. And searchable transcripts. I um, have continued my trend of just losing money doing this show. So I put another million sats into automated AI transcripts, which, to be quite honest, aren't that good. But it's pretty fucking cool that you can search through all of the episodes. Um, and I'm going to be going through those and trying to edit them and refine them because they have like these tools that I could do that for. But in the meantime, um, all 22 episodes of Citadel Dispatch are easily searchable on CitadelDispatch.com. So pretty fucking cool. Um, so with all that said, I mean, I, I guess, you know, let's, let's, you know, people pretend that they're in it for the tech, but we got to talk about what's on everyone's mind. Uh, is Bitcoin dead? Are we going to zero? Is it all over? And why did Elon fuck us? (laughs) Uh, that's a loaded question. Wow, Matt, right to it. Um, yeah, man, it's been a really crazy week. Uh, you know, I, I know a lot of hodlers are having their net worth fluctuate and, a lot of people without faith just selling and letting go of their whole bags. Um, you know, it's a little overblown, to be honest. 
And, uh, you know, of course, Mr. Musk isn't helping with his bullshit. But uh, at the same time, these kind of uh, drawbacks are, you know, sort of par for the course. If you look to 2017 even, what, we, we drew back like four or five times like this, 30% plus. Um, and uh, I think people also need to take into account that taxes were due the past couple of weeks, right? So there's going to always be a lot of people just offloading their bags just to pay the bills, especially if there's, you know, traders in, in uh, this field. What, so you think uh, like people are panic selling their Bitcoin like the day before tax day when they realize how much taxes they owe? I, I think there's a lot of people that don't plan in advance. That's for sure. Uh, but, you know, it's also not um, you. We also can't neglect, you know, all the rhetoric and, and the post from Elon this week. Of course, that shook a lot of people out, you know, uh, it's hard to deny uh, how much we pumped when Tesla said they were adding to their books. Um, so that's obviously a factor too. Um, but I think we are like the, the 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 fall of the price was not that big. I don't know because I'm not following that much. So, but but if 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 you were at five thousand and you drop to four thousand, it wouldn't be a l l very large dip, right? So. <laughs> this what happened now wasn't isn't that big and Elon, Elon put us on a new level and we, we didn't drop drop from that from that level yet so yeah i mean i i think you know people love to put uh and i kind of set you guys up with the question i just think it's funny that i just got all these people reaching out to me like texting me like what the fuck is elon doing like what a fucking asshole uh what a douchebag it was like it, i said to a friend it was almost like their best, they found out their best friend like slept with their fiance, you know, like they were like so betrayed. I'm like, guys, like, what the fuck did you expect? Like, he's never been a stable person. Like, like who, who thought it's like, not, it's not even just that he's not a stable person. It's like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, think about it. <laughs> like Tesla doesn't make money off their cars, right? He has one of the poorest run uh, alternative energy companies, right? In uh, whatever his panel company. And SpaceX is, is a darling for government subsidies as well, right? Um, these are the kind of people that are going to suffer the most post-hyper-Bitcoinization. So it, it should leave, uh, it should be a surprise that, that an individual like this is working to thwart Bitcoin and, you know, trying to hold on to that sweet, sweet subsidy for as long as he can. Um, but I just wanted to just add here. I mean, if you look at in 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 bull markets uh, and bear markets, people just like trying to find explanations for price drops. Uh, but this is a thing that is just natural. It is going to happen. Bitcoin is a truly scarce asset. Um, and as a result, as it's going through its adoption phase, you tend to have these, you know, rapid increases and then decreases, you know, where it's just trying to find its support level. It's like there's no way for it to really go up um, in a smooth fashion because it's just like almost like pure chaos. And I, so I have a chart on the on the screen for the people on the on the video streams um, from Glassnode from Glassnode's weekly uh, report. And as you can see on this thing, like we had massive drawdowns last in 2017 too, like people after the fact will pretend, you know, staying humble and stacking sats was the easy mood mode and that anyone could have hodled and that we were all fucking lucky. Um, 
but there was a lot of shit your pants dumps that happened uh, in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's going to be a lot more that happened this time. And it's just that now we're at such a higher number, you know, a 23% drop is $14,000. Um, like that's not nothing, right? Like that's absolute terms. Uh, I could see it scaring more people. So that was our, our daily Bitcoin price talk. And now we can jump into the tech that everyone cares about. Yeah. Fuck Elon, huh? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the, the moral of the story is that Elon is wanted to make sure that the whole world knows that he's still short Bitcoin. So, But, but it, it should be a lesson. Like, we shouldn't simp for any billionaires, you know, none the, uh, no, we shouldn't simp for any billionaires and definitely don't simp for any cantillionaires that are, you know, just just drunk off of the government spigot. We have so, full-time Bitcoin in, um, in the comments who's our resident uh, Tesla freak. He's obsessed with Tesla, so... Um, he, he wants everyone to know to fuck Elon, but not fuck SpaceX. I don't know why he's making that distinction. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of excited for Starlink. I think Starlink could be very useful to us. Um, I would never get a Tesla period though, because it's like a horrible fucking car for privacy and, uh, don't don't get me started on that. And like, and you have like, you just automatic, imagine automatic updates to a car, car, like the thing is like going like 80 miles an hour and it's getting automatic updates. Scare the shit out of me. Um, I hope one day ransomware is bad on the oil pipeline. Like what if you get ransomware on your car? What if you're not, what if your wife and kids are driving it? The best excuse if you're late to a meeting, you know, my car got ransomware. Um, (laughs) The I hope that that some rich Bitcoiner at some point in the future creates like a luxury private car company, you know, that has no computer in it. It's just like got a you know regular combustion engine in it, and just but it's a nice car that's privacy focused. That would be the ideal for me because like right now I feel like I have to buy a twenty year old car um, if I don't want a computer in it, or at least a hardening service. You know, like drop my Tesla off and like chop that up. Like, let me get a couple of uh, firewalls in there, you know, some ways of verifying what's going on there and, uh, you know, cut off the core functions from the web. I'm told that updates aren't automatic. So live corrections are the best part of the show or one of the best parts of the show. Okay. So for now they're not automatic. So they for now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're not automatic, right? But it's closed source and no one's verifying it before they click the update button. So who the fuck? It doesn't really matter. If you press the accelerator, it updates. It, it's your constant. Um, yeah. So uh, that was a very important Bitcoin discussion. I'm really glad we had it. Um, and I think let's just, you know, so this, this, Dispatch is all about Fiat Jeff. Dispatch is all about actionable Bitcoin discussion. So the idea is, um, I want us to focus on things that Bitcoiners can actually, you know, use in their day to day basis more so than uh, big picture things. But uh, since I have you, I, I you know, I, I, <laughs> I think we'll um, ignore that aspect just for the beginning here. And I'm kind of curious, big picture. Uh, you've been, you know, really focused on lightning development specifically. Uh, are you, you know, the two year, three year outlook for lightning? Are you bullish on it? Are you bearish on it? Uh, you know, what is your, what are your thoughts there? Should, should Bitcoiners 
Um, Bitcoiners seem to be very hyped about Lightning right now. Is that is that hype properly placed or is it misplaced? I think it's it's properly placed, but I'm not sure for the the same reasons. I I I I'm bullish I'm bullish on Lightning, but I'm I'm bullish on more like a, a network and less like a trustless peer payments through channels thing. Like uh, I think I think Bitcoin will, will have other forms of transferring there, there will be more other forms of transferring bitcoin and i think lightning is the is the 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 base for should be the base for all these like if, if someone comes up with another protocol we should integrate integrate it into lightning and then lightning will be this this network that connects everything including custodial services and other stuff so i'm, I'm bullish on it because of that yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, I I think we tend to be on the same page there. From what you just said, uh, you know, one interesting aspect uh, is that a lot of like, and you just mentioned it, the word custodial. I mean, a, a lot of developers uh, frown on anything custodial related, um, but I feel like you've kind of leaned into it. Uh, do you want to like do? In a lot of ways, I feel like lightning. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I like, I feel like lightning really works well as like interoperable custodial wallets. Uh, this idea where you can yeah. have like a bunch of little custodial wallets with very trust models and they can all interact with each other in an open way. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah that, that's what I think through like since a long time when people, I, people use it to say like, they still say like, if you, if you're going, you, if you're going to use a custodial wallet, better use PayPal. But this, this argument is stupid because PayPal is not using Bitcoin. And then they say, oh, so use Coinbase, but Coinbase is a closed thing. You're, you're stuck inside there and they, they own you if you're there. But if you're using a, a custodial uh, service that interacts with Lightning, then it's open and then anyone can join other custodial service like competition uh, makes things better like we don't have to have trustless everything we, we need the trustless option but the the market of the free market of of services still works very well for most things so, so also for money transferring so do you think um do you think the average user should be using their own lightning node when they interact with lightning well, I think they should for now, if they are willing to, to if they, they want to understand it, they, they must run a, a node to, to see it go, it happening and so on. But I, I don't think most people are up for this, like they, they don't care. And, and so I think the people that care and the people that understand should strive to create an, an environment in which the people that don't care don't get trapped inside Coinbase. They can get trapped inside a, a more open thing. Does that make sense? Well, I mean, let's talk about, so So right now I have this LN URL on the bottom left-hand corner um, and it uses your LNTX bot, which is a Telegram bot, but I, I feel like it does that doesn't go far enough. It, it's, it's a full-fledged lightning wallet that runs inside of the Telegram app, which is already installed by, well, I don't know, like a couple billion people probably. Um, 
And it's got tons and tons of features in it, including this static donation QR code that allows anyone to just scan it, whether it's during the show or later, and it goes it goes right to my wallet. Now, that wallet is custodial, though. Um, and, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, the main reason it, it's custodial is because it makes it way easier for you to implement those features, right, in like a UX-friendly way. Well, the, the actual way it's custodial is because I didn't know how to do it like differently when I did it. But yeah, if, if it wasn't custodial, it would require people to run software and connect to the bot and no one would do it. So. <laughs> but let's talk about the risk, right? The risk is that you run away with my money um, and or that there's there's some kind of pressure and you have to require KYC. So both of those get mitigated if you just use it with less amount of money, right? I mean, that's basically the argument, right? It's like if if you if you run away, if you if you decide to do an exit scam on this wallet, you know, I'll lose fifty or sixty dollars or whatever, and I'll just call it a day and call it even. Yeah, yeah, I think I think yeah, I think that's exact for this for these custodial wallets. If you put low money on it, it's all fine. It's, it's just people, weird. people running nodes yeah. to, to you, you start a full lightning node and open channels just to transact five dollars on it. It's not it's not good investment. Yeah, I mean, it's weird because like, you know, we go deep into the weeds on this show. I mean, dispatch freaks are, you know, I think they're they're very enthusiastic about Bitcoin. They're very focused on Bitcoin, on best practices. Um, most of them are probably using their own nodes. Um, but then you have like wake up calls where, you know, I had Keto Miner and NVK on the show, you know, they're both highly technical people, um, very educated Bitcoiners. And they both admitted, you know, Keto Miner runs a lightning service. They both admitted that their favorite wallet to use was Wallet of Satoshi, which is a custodial <laughs> mobile wallet. Um, so I feel like there's this massive disconnect between like the geeks in the space and reality, right? And no one really discusses it. So I kind of like that. I think dispatch should be able to bridge that gap. Um, yeah, I, I just, well, I, I, there's, there's definitely a role here for custodial wallets and to say otherwise is just ignoring the reality, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think when, if you're talking about um, building bridges, I think one, one, the biggest problem with custodial is the privacy. Not that someone will steal uh, ten dollars from you. From you, like the, the privacy mm -hmm. is, is much worse because I can see all, all transactions from everybody on LNTX bot, and that's bad. But the the solution to this is that the uh, hosted hosted channels thing. Have you heard about that? Well, uh, let's talk about that. Yeah, the hosted channels is, is a protocol that uses the same lightning uh, base like the, the same communication channels and you 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 just do something similar to to lightning and it's it's a channel with amounts and so on and balances but you do, the the client doesn't doesn't control the money the money stays on the on the host side so it's a, it's a custodial service but it's fully private because the the host doesn't know what, where are you sending the payments to? And basically now, uh, now, this is currently implemented on BLW on Android. Is that right? 
yeah, it's currently implemented on BRW and the service side. There's a uh, it's it's running on a Claire from from Anton, which is my pseudonym. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, and now and now Anton is making a new wallet that's much better, much cleaner, I think, and with the with the Morton library, and releasing a plugin to for anyone to run it run the, the the server side on their eclair node easily so there there could be a, a bunch of different custodians hosting these these channels and also i'm i'm planning on finishing like getting my work done and making a plugin for c lightning to, to support this if i find that 15 that let that, that extra hour in the day i will do it Yes, I think that BLW is a pretty interesting model. Um, so, you know, you have those hosted channels that are indeed custodial, but uh, for more pressing stuff or, you know, when you can't find a route, you're able to have your own channel opened up, uh, you know, to make those connections that are, you know, those payments that are more private and to the routes you want to make. And you can have a wallet with different channels, different hosted channels to different hosts, like, and you don't, your money doesn't sit all in one place. And you then, then you send MPP payments splitting over these different hosted channels. It's very private, very, very, like very private. And I think it's, I think it's a very good model and no one's talking about it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely underrated and has a lot of interesting qualities to it. And um, yeah, I, th I think it's only going to get more interesting as we have more providers like this that offer hosted channels as, um, you know, more different wallet implementations uh, have support for it. And furthermore, down the line, as far as like protocol stuff goes, is routing is split up and sees a whole bunch of innovations, uh, then things start getting really interesting. So the simple summary of the hosted, the hosted channels trade-off is they can't, they, you, 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 you don't have custodial privacy, but they can still steal your funds, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Actually, um, I think you should call them credit channels. I, I don't understand why custodial is bad, but credit is good on the, on the mainstream like, like finance world. <laughs> credit is okay. You don't pay taxes for credit, but you, the government goes against you if you do custodian stuff. But uh, so so we when we when we have you know there's there, there's is an interesting nuance here right because you have a privacy concern with your custodian I mean if we're not talking hosted channels uh, but in a lot of ways you get better external privacy if that custodian is a trusted source if that, if that custodian is not working against you if the custodian is working against you you have obviously you have worse privacy. But if the custodian is attempting to protect your privacy, then you have in, in a lot of situations, you might have better privacy. Like one of the things I think is interesting about Bitcoin on chain is historically we've had a ton of custodial wallets and they've all like failed. So people have moved you know, to pretty much the default is non-custodial, right? Like it's, it's, it's a very rare day where you have like a mobile wallet that has custodial on chain. We still have that in lightning and, you know, we have 61 and two in the comments. I think one of the main concerns I have with something like wallet of Satoshi or blue wallet is it's not very clear that it's a custodial wallet. Um, yeah. and what the risks yeah. are and what those trade-offs are. 
But we've seen on chain, like people have moved to pretty much self custody by default. Um, and as a result, all of a sudden on chain privacy techniques are more important, right? Because if you're, um, and I already, I, I see people realizing this, even if they don't admit it, when they like try and pay me from strike or cash app, because they don't want me to, uh, you know, see what their balances are. So they, they rely on the custodian to protect their privacy for them. Um, which I just think is just an interesting, it's an interesting thing that happened that no one really talks about is it was this move from, from custodial dominating to non-custodial and, and the impact it had on on-chain privacy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was not following the Bitcoin space at the, at this period when people use it custodial on-chain wallets. So I don't really know it. This thing about uh, not show, sharing your balances is like to the to the person you're paying. This is not talked about very much. Like in this, every time someone talks about privacy, no one talks about this, or maybe I'm missing it. The joint market has a good solution to it. You can pay someone while doing a coin join with the exact amount, so it fixes that. Uh, but yes, yeah. But with Lightning, it's it's much more. It's much harder to to move to a non-custodial setup. So, so what do you what and do you also think? You can keep smaller amounts. Okay. I mean, the, the big thing I think with non-custodial Lightning is channel management. Is this concept of channel management? And I think it kind of goes hand in hand with how hard it is to conceptualize UTXO management to begin with, um, and coin control. Like this is something that we're always um, harping on and very focused on in this space, uh, but. Uh, it, it, it's UTXO management is like a very hard thing for people to grasp. And as a result, I feel like lightning channel management is also has this, this, this uh, speed bump. It's a hurdle to try and understand it. Um, and that's kind of where the custodial wallets come into play. Uh, before I get there, 6102 is saying it was always dominated by non-custodial wallets. I mean, I would push back there. What I'm suggesting is, you know, stuff like, like Silk Road, for instance, was a completely custodial product. Mm -hmm. um, that had a built-in mixer and, and the users of Silk Road um, were relying on that custodial privacy to provide them privacy. Um, but so, so I'm talking about from that angle or, or any of the exchanges that were non-KYC, stuff like BTCE that existed for the longest fucking time um, or MintPal or Cripsy or whatever. I don't know, all the fucking shitcoin casinos that, that had no KYC. Um, those are all custodial wallets. But anyway, I'm getting derailed. Uh, Fiat Jeff, I'm curious. So so we're talking about UTXO management, ch channel management. Um, one thing we've talked about a lot in this show is the Uncle Jim model, this idea where you have like a friend or family member, in this case, is, his name's Uncle Jim, um, and he runs the node for the family. And he has like you know, 25 or 30 people that he's custodial on top of, uh, that he, you know, he's their, he's their Bitcoin friend or Bitcoin uncle. Uh, and, and we've, we've seen Samurai implement this with their QR code pairing with the node, but that's obviously not lightning. And we've seen Blue Wallet implement it recently um, on the lightning side. So Blue Wallet defaults to custodial, uh, but it, it runs on LND Hub. So if you run LND Hub on your Raspberry Blitz or your Umbral, or I think my node as well, um, you can then be the Uncle Jim and you can have uh, 
you can have friends or family connect to you and they don't have to deal with any channel management or anything. You deal with that. Is this something that you think in scale? Is that is that is that a path forward that that could work on you know trade off wise, or is that something that you think is just a complete waste of time? Yeah, no, I think that's that's a good thing, a good thing for the future and for now. Yeah, I see it happening. I see people on the LN Beats Telegram chat asking about how to set up the LND Hub plugin so they can host for friends and family, and yeah. I, I, since a long time ago, I, I, I thought about this too, and I think it's a good model. I think the 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 model for with with hosted channels, anyone being able to to run their own hosted channel server, that's good too for this this specific case too, the encoding stuff. So yeah, yeah, I think this is the way the way future is this. This and other 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 things. Like the, the good thing about Lightning is this: you can have the Uncle G model, you can have the completely running your own stuff model, you can have the big exchange bank model, everything together, and also people running Lightning on Lightning nodes on Liquid and other side chains. What are your thoughts here, Evan? I mean, you're the lead maintainer of a completely non-custodial, non-Uncle Jim use your own node wallet uh yeah so i really it do support uncle g model right LNG it does model. have support for the uncle gm model um so we have support for lnd hub uh you can download zeus and use that if you want uh we auto generate the blue wallet lnd hub server but we encourage everyone to uh you know, if possible, find an Uncle Jim to connect to and use their node. Uh, in fact, we're doing some work right now. We have some work in right now to fix the connection for LND hubs that are behind Tor. So, like, let's say you use an Umbrella and that's on Tor by default. Uh, the next release of Zeus is going to make sure that that's all ironed out. And uh, if you're an Uncle Jim and you've got a node that's running on Tor, you're running that LND hub blue wallet server service behind Tor, uh, Zeus is going to be able to accommodate people using that. So uh, I, I think that there's some limitations with what you can do with LND Hub. Um, obviously, you're not going to get the fully featured set of features like key send or channel management or messaging or that stuff. But to onboard people onto the Lightning Network, it's a great solution. And if we want this to be viable and, and for this to be more common and you know for for real uh commercial solutions like with big corporations running stuff uh to not be the the default you know freaks have to go out there and run it themselves and, and try to onboard their friends and family let's make this the way that people experience lightning network for the first time there's so much more, um, you, you know, it, it's so much easier to go to your friend, your buddy, your Uncle Jim than to, you know, file a support ticket at this big corporation that you hope is inevitably going to be looked at. And, uh, you know, centralizing risk. You, you, you don't want these big honeypots of people's info to, you know, keep growing and collecting people's data and, you know, be there to be subpoenaed by 
federal government. But so, are we like I, I see I see why it's ideal. Um, I mean, look, Bitcoin doesn't have a support department or marketing department. Um, a show like this, you know, we can hit thousands of users, but thousands of people, but like it can't scale to, you know, educating millions or billions. Um, the only way it really scales if was like each of each of the freaks, you know, goes and and you know helps ten of their friends and family, and and they have tons of ten of their friends and family, and then that's how I like see it scaling. But like, are we biased? Like, like I, I wasn't around. You know, I'm a youngin. I wasn't around during you know uh, when com- computers and the internet were starting to become a thing. Um, but like some of the old timers that have been around, they told me, you know, like this was the model that they were talking about back in the day. Like the internet was going to be, uh, you know, your your uncle Jim was going to run the mainframe computer in like his garage. <laughs> And everyone was going to connect to it. And instead, what happened was economies of scale just centralized it all into, you know, Google, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Twitter, Twitch, right? Like it, it centralized it all into these these giant clouds, these cloud services. But hmm. that trend is just being bucked now. Like home computing is becoming so practical and so much cheaper. And you know what it really is? It's like people realize the terrors of what can go wrong when you trust these centralized entities with your data? Like the average person is starting to, you know, come to terms with the amount of control that Google and Apple and Microsoft, et cetera, all have. And, you know, now that we have these solutions um, in, you know, cheap hardware and, and free open source software, like people are starting to explore I mean, it's, it's not going to be your, your grandma that sets one of these off. Um, but, you know, for the people who are willing to do their own research and figure out how all these things work, it's, it's more practical than ever. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not inherently by the default design of the Internet that, that these things would happen and become centralized. It's like a hub and spoke model, you know, like, like the Internet's built to route around these traffic jams. And these sort of centralized entities are sort of anomalous. And, uh, you know, hopefully the the, mov- the movement keeps running and, you know, people take things into their own hands. And, uh, you know, we, we need to try to make sure in the Bitcoin community that we don't get to that centralized, really highly centralized model. Like, we want to try to avoid that instead of having to undo it. I think... Like the internet has survived in, in the sense that you can still go to the Uncle Jim or run your own stuff model today. Uh-huh. And even if the, the majority of people are, are using the central light service and they, they can they can migrate off now like they're doing. And so if, if you can do that on Bitcoin and Lightning, I think we're safe. Like as long as it's possible to 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 jump off we're fine the, the bad thing would be if the centralized big providers just made themselves incompatible with everything else and then they trapped everybody but if you if that doesn't happen it's still okay um yeah i, I saw i saw a question on the chat but it, it vanished uh someone asking if if you're if you are not liable for hosting the, the funds of your friends and family 
I think the, I think I don't know if you are liable or not. I don't know the the laws, but I think this question is is I see it happening everywhere. Like everybody's too afraid of being liable to to stuff. I, I'm not sure that's the correct mentality. I think we should like if if everybody if if a ton of people are running nodes and for for their friends and family, the government will won't be able to track everybody. It's, so. A this is total cuck mentality. I'm sorry to butt in, but like, if you're gonna have the government have to dictate every private relationship you have, then you've already lost the plot. You know, like we're we're trying to build a world of voluntary interaction. If you can't man yeah. up and you don't want to take on that risk and help advance this technology and make life easier for your friends and family because of legal liability, you're already cooked. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I wanted to say, but not in these words. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, that's man. it we have to step up and and take some risk i think for the benefit of everybody uh, and if more, more the more people do it the best there was also a question that vanished about how lightning on liquid would work with lightning on main bitcoin and the, the the answer is just that you just need bridges and like, like the no nodes that are on liquid they must understand how to use the bridge and the nodes that are on, on the on the main chain side they can the liquid nodes can use the route hints route hints on the invoice to to point them to the bridge and then the bridge knows what to do to send the pass the the payment to the liquid node if that that makes sense i have a prototype <laughs> for that but it needs a ton of improvement to be actually usable, but it works. <laughs> I think it works. I feel, like you have, I feel like you have a bunch of like little projects you're not telling us, Jeff. I feel yeah, like your hands are everywhere. Like, yeah, I feel like your engine is revving like all the way all day. Like, uh, it feels like you're a workhorse, man. <laughs> I gotta <laughs> say, I'm impressed by like all the little pies you've got, your hands in, and all the contributions you've made yeah yeah I, I wish they were finished and working and there were more people helping maybe or maybe making them better than me <laughs> but I, I can't finish most of the things i have I, I, I try i mean i just want to jump back real quick uh i mean i i think there is you know definitely real liability and depending on your jurisdiction um and i think but mostly that works to our advantage right and I, I i guess i kind of asked a um you know i asked kind of a leading question when i asked if it's going to centralize and i think what happens is like the one thing we have going to our advantage is these financial regulations mean that you know the centralized corporate services because of liability are going to have oppressive kyc um they're going to have you know information retention and, and poor privacy. So because of that, um, there's actually a major friction point to using these centralized services over using either your own node or um, I see in the comments, we, they don't like Uncle Jim, they want Aunt Jam. Um, <laughs> if, you know, using your Uncle Jim node, you don't have that, that friction. So they're, they're, I, unlike the internet, you know, something like, with, with like Gmail, for instance, right? It's like centralized email, right? It's like completely... If you talk to like an original email nerd, like Gmail completely lost the plot and it isn't real email, um, but people love it, right? And it's because that trade-off isn't very clear that they're reading your email 
and they're providing you a service because they're just reading through every single thing you do and just collecting information on you. But if you sign up for a centralized service and they're like, upload your passport, prick your finger and give us your blood, give us your social security <laughs> number, like the firstborn child, like then, you know, you might look for a different option. You're going to be like, that, that's, that's a heavy price to pay. So we kind of have that, you know, while that's, It'll also help to our advantage, uh, the fact that, uh, that, that they, you know, the big players will have to ball with those regulations. Right. Yeah. It's, it's definitely something working in our favor. Uh, yeah, but the person was asking about the, the, right. Uncle the Jim players, the, the Uncle Jim yeah. liability. I think Uncle Jim shouldn't worry about that. Yeah. I mean, if I was a lawyer, I would say to worry about it, but in practice, you know, if you're doing it for like your 10 family members or something like, except for the, you know, the most authoritative governments, you'll probably be fine. Um, so I kind of derailed the conversation a little bit. We were like dipping our toes into liquid. Um, Fiat Jeff, do you think like liquid is a reasonable project or do you think like it's, uh, it's, it's unnecessary because of lightning existing? Oh, I think it's reasonable. I like I like I think custodial stuff is reasonable as I said before and like uh, we, we should strive to get better custodian models and liquid is a good custodial model it's a custodian that it's very private and actually not very private if you're trying to to peg out but and it's reasonably safe right the, the, apparently they have good good safety for the keys so it's it's better than a bank and it's open. You don't have to, to KOC to use it. Only only if you want to peg out, but that's not not always necessary. Yeah, because you can just do a swap. Really, you don't need to do a formal peg out. Yeah, that's yeah. what I think. The, the The obsession over the peg out is a little bit ridiculous because the only thing that you you really have, uh, you know, trust minimized uh, in and out with is Lightning. Before Lightning existed. Um, you know, this idea that we had a trust minimized way of pegging in is 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 revolutionary on its side on itself. And then, you know, swaps, you know, especially if we get atomic swaps, but even if you get I mean, we already have them. We have the custodial swaps, right? Like the shapeshift type of things. Um, and that's what people have been using with altcoins for however long. Uh it's relatively trust minimized. I mean, obviously they can run off with your money in the interim while the while the trade's happening. Um, we had Adam back on the show the other day. He made an interesting point. Like, even if we have if we have centralized atomic swaps, um, that improves the trust model slightly further because yes, it's a centralized point of failure, but they can't steal your money. The swap only happens if they're giving you the the equivalent. Um, so, like, it's almost like a misnomer saying like we need permissionless pegouts and on liquid. We just need like a healthy swap market, right? Uh, yeah, the, yeah. I mean, if if the pegouts are, someone will have to to do the the pegouts on the normal way, right? Or like, at least that that guarantee has to be there that there will be a pegout. Well, Adam Adam made an interesting point, right? And there was a trade off made, and the trade off was if you know they get you get uh, way better external security for the system if you make it so pegouts only go to approved XPubs which is the federation members. 
So it's like it's a very clear trade-off they made. And I, I'm not, mm. you know, I'm not sure I'm I'm not gonna be the one who says that the better trade-off is that they should be able to peg out to any fucking address. Um, because who wants who wants the chance that you could have, you know, ten thousand Bitcoin just get drained from the whole system at once or whatever. I'm being alarmist, but yeah, yeah. Right. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that the that was a decision based on, on security. So yeah. Yeah, we That's did a good. three hour banger with Adam back on the show, which was a very special episode. Um, yeah, great where we dove all no one talks about liquid. That's why I like to talk about it more. And no one uses it. I mean, if no you go one, to like that's the main thing, more services have to adopt it, really. And you know, <laughs> you if go... you take a look at their blockchain and see how many transactions <laughs> on, it's a ghost town. I mean, it's not to say that it doesn't have some real merits and could be really useful. It's just uh definitely not where we need it right now. And you know, you could say the same thing about lightning. Lightning needs a lot more adoption for to really Yeah, but not at not but not the same yeah, level. Yeah, not the same level. People are using Lightning more actively, but they could both use Bump. Yeah. No one talks about RSK. Did you <laughs> have an opinion on RSK? Yeah, no. I think the same about Liquid. Like, I think it's a better than a bank, so that's good. I, I'm not sure about the ethereum like smart contract i'm not sure they're very useful but it has just, a, it, just it, has a coin. it has a shit coin though liquid doesn't have the shit coin yeah there's also that you but could you generate can... your own shit coins on uh <laughs> liquid uh when are we going to do the citadel dispatch coin you know what i mean yeah, this is this is liquid this is liquid on mempool space right now like the blocks do happen quicker so you have to give them yeah, that it's like, like one look. or two transactions per block <laughs> Fucking ghost town. Yeah. <laughs> well, pretty crazy. That's sad. Let's see what happens if, uh, you know, once BIS gets integrated with it all the way and, and see how that pans out, that could go a long way. But I think it's also going to take uh, some of the other centralized exchanges to be running it for things to really take off. Yeah, I mean, we had fee spike, and still, pretty much, no one used it. I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I think, I think it's uh it's a lot more user friendly for for a new user because they don't have the channel management. I think that's the main thing it has going for it. I don't get the whole trader thing, um, because I, I think the trader thing can get solved with private lightning channels. But, uh yeah, I digress. I'm just. Um, so, so Fiat Jeff, you started working with uh, our friends over at Zebedee uh, when from in December, right? Yeah. So we yeah. had to the freaks that, rem that remember we had Andre Neves on the show, um, CEO and co-founder of Zebedee, four episodes ago or five episodes ago. Uh, so the, the the focus over there is is putting Sats and Lightning into games. Um. Yeah. Do you want to dive into that experience at all? Like, what do, do you think? Uh, is it as natural of a fit as we think it is? Like, or, or is that is that? Do you think it's safe to say that mo most Zoomers are going to start using Sats in video games before they use them anywhere else? Oh, I, I don't know. I don't understand the Zoomers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't play games very much, also. But I think that that has potential and. I don't think it's as easy. I've heard you say before, like that you just 
want to lose sets through some some Asian guy that kills you. But I'm not sure that the, <laughs> the incentives are that perfect. The, 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 the sets change the incentives. So you have to you have to change the game a little like to accommodate. Like poker is a, a good game with that could be played with sets because with money of any kind. Because the, the, the money is inside the game. It's not just the the winner takes all. Uh, like the, the bluffing and putting putting money on the table, that's a part of the game. And I think putting sets inside games has to be done on that way too. Like the, the the first version of the infused CS Go thing, it was just the winner takes more sets. But then we added that coin. I don't know if you saw it. That when you when you kill someone, they left the sets in the form of a coin in the map. So that changed the incentives. Because if you go rushing to, to pick up the coins, you expose yourself. And so that kind of changes in the game. I think that that's what yeah. needs yeah, to I be. Yeah, I love that. It's like uh, if you play Call of Duty, it's like kill confirmed. Like you got to pick up the tags left behind. Otherwise, it doesn't count. So uh, but yeah. yeah, really awesome to see you guys think of new game modes and, and rolling them out. Uh, I need to play that one personally. Yeah, but I'm, I'm hopeful. I, I, I don't see very much the customer side of it, but. I'm well, the hopeful. consumers, I mean, look, you said you're not a gamer. The consumers right now, like these guys, these people spend so much money on gaming already. It's like you automatically are losing money in gaming. It's just if you add, if you add sats or rewards, then you might make money as well. Like there might be like a, a way to make money. Um, and, and I mean, the example that I always say, I mean, you brought it up, poker, is like f fucking poker without money sucks. <laughs> like I will yeah. not sit down to play poker for four hours without money now. I'm an adult, okay? That's something that we did, you did as children. Now that you're an adult, you want to play, you want to play with cash. Otherwise, it's not, it's not fun. And I think once you start having good games that have this like built in natively, um where you know if you spend two hours you have real money on the line um it's just going to kind of ruin all the games that don't have it it's just like why would you there'll still be like a place for the single player epic games uh where you know you just want to like lose yourself for five hours six hours and escape reality and there'll be no money in those but uh when it comes to the competitive shit you know, people are going to want to, I'm going to want to play, I want to play the game that I have skin in the game where I actually have, have sats on the line. Yeah. No, the, the, pro the problem is that if you're not the best player in the world, then you're yeah. going to face the best player because they want to take your sets and then the game won't be fun because you no, want but to the games already have that issue. Your level. Do they? So like, so like uh fortnite is a perfect example so fortnite in the beginning you would just get like look i'm not you know the best gamers in the world are 14 years old and they like their fingers just twitch organically with whatever they're doing um they don't even think when they play uh so like in the beginning of fortnite we just used to get our asses kicked and then they they added a system you know where like there's like a ranking system like a reputation system right and and you now I can actually win because they only put me with the shitty players. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so like that's—I don't think that's necessary. Like that's just good game mechanics, right? Like that's not uh, like period. Even if there's no sats on the line, if you just play a game where you just die instantly all the time, like that's not a fun <laughs> game. Yeah, yeah, but the the problem is that pe most people want to play with people that are on their level, 
so the game is interesting the, the best player doesn't don't want to play with the worst player because it won't be fun but if they they weren't they're playing to get the money then they want to play with the worst player possible so they get the, the sets from that that guy so there's there's a uh, conflicting incentive there that must be solved but once you solve that the game do become more interesting i think and I mean, the other thing that you guys are dealing with on the fly and something we talked about on the on the show with Andre um, is this idea, uh, you know, is the, is the user-friendly nature of the wallet, right? You guys have opted for a custodial wallet over there. Um, is this something you battle with? Like, I assume you guys would prefer to move to a non-custodial if possible, right? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> Yeah, I would prefer to move to a hosted channel model, but but I, I don't know the, the people that play. I, I have the impression I'm not sure, but I have the impression that they want to be like the guy who just cares about playing games, or whatever, forever kind. It's hard for that same person to be interested in running channels and so on. So maybe that but person it, will move to another wallet that has that capability. But for all yeah, the yeah. For the zoomers that don't, don't care about anything, they, they should use the, the custodial wallet. It, it shouldn't yeah. matter though, because like you can just use whatever wallet to pay the invoices to get an yeah, that, game, right? Yeah, that, that's the that's the, the, the thing. What, what's the only You're, requirement? Like you got to do a LNURL pay to get paid out or withdraw? withdraw, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that still means cool, yeah. you're still sitting on a custodial wallet till you withdraw. The, you, yeah. the, I mean, the main issue of a custodial wallet is is KYC regs, you know, is the same thing we were talking about, that friction. And, you know, Zebedee has like, they have different limits. They have different levels for what level of KYC you do. Mm -hmm. uh, so lower amounts, it's not like horrible. Um, but I mean, I think ultimately the goal has got to be to move to a non-custodial thing so that you can open it up to more users. I mean, we had Sputnik on the sh same show. Um, and he has Bitcoin bounty hunt and he was like, um, you know, he made his game like a proper Bitcoiner originally. And like every, if, when you installed it, it installed a full lightning node on your yes. computer. Um, and like he hit yeah, bottleneck issues real quick. And, and the other thing is, is in a high fee environment, right? Like if you have to open a channel for someone, you're hitting the chain, right? That could be, uh, you know, if, 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 Block space, if blo the block space is not going to increase, I, I'd be very surprised if, you know, we have block size increase. Um, so if that's the case, you know, we could be looking at $100, $150 main, you know, on-chain transaction fees to open a channel. Like, how could you ever have a, anything under that amount has got to be custodial. Otherwise, you're just burning yeah. money. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, just to be sovereign, to have your own channels, there's a cost to it. And uh, that's that's one of the bigger problems here. It's like that and, and the convenience of, you know, not having to manage your channels. These channels are so fragile. They close for if you touch them, they close and then you lose a ton of money. <laughs> These things worry me. There's a lot of things that I feel like are just hidden because developers are just eating the cost right now to build to like yeah. build out the user base, right? Like Moon Wallet is a perfect example. Like Moon Wallet's UX uh -huh. is fucking fantastic. But like, I, mean, I don't know how they're doing it without just burning a shit ton of money. 
They, they are. I mean, I think they're spending a lot of money for user acquisition costs. And I think that the mix of, you know, these users, these companies figuring out like uh, their flows and how much they want to spend for this user acquisition versus also, you know, dealing with the custodial wallets and, you know, dealing with potential impending, uh, you know, regulations and risk there, like, a whole bunch of the wallets that we know and use today might not look the same in even say a year's time. Well, when, when the Bitcoin hyper Bitcoinization happen, all these issues will vanish. So we just have to survive <laughs> until that point. Yeah, that's true. At, at least uh, we're seeing a lot of innovation and, you know, not e even three months ago, I don't think people were using one as much or it, it wasn't really talked about. Uh, so things are moving really rapidly as far as these custodial and semi, in quotes, semi-custodial wallets are going. So uh, I think there's still a lot of room for experimentation, and that, that's what's happening. Uh, but, you know, don't, don't expect things to stay the same or even for your favorite wallet to stick around uh, in, say, two years. But just to be clear here, that's when we say moon wallet, we mean M-U-U-N. Yep. Um, hopefully they will change their name so I don't have to fucking say how to spell it every time. But um, what is Moon Moon Wallet with a no? Is there that? There's yeah, there's a custodial. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Custodial, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, I think so. I haven't used their product. Um, have you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree. There's, this is like a heavy competitive market right now for lightning wallets and, and most of them will probably not survive. Um, but it should be interesting to see how the whole high fee environment works um, with lightning, because I feel like it hasn't really been stress tested under that environment yet. Um, the and like it barely did like two weeks ago or three weeks ago. But I feel like people just stopped doing things. They everyone just like walked away. Like if it was sustained, then you'd have bigger issues. Um, we had we had Anthony Ronning in the comments um, talking about how uh, ranking systems suck because we were talking about video game ranking systems, and it reminded me um, because uh, you know Lightning Labs released this new tool that can let you explore your boss score last week. And oh, yeah. it's still closed. I, it's not open. Like we don't know how they classify things. And I like tweeted at them in like all caps uh, because <laughs> I have like 250 peers on that node and they were like zero of 250 are good peers. <laughs> um, and I was like, you never fucking, you talk shit about my peers like this and I'll never forget <laughs> it. And, and my boss score like moved up like a hundred points or 200 points after that. And I've got like seven good peers now. So what you're telling us <laughs> is that Boz is the wizard behind the green curtain and he's just <laughs> changing things as he wants. Yeah, we we need to get Boz on the show. We have too many questions. Well, if the score, if the <laughs> score is the name of a person. Especially, we, we need to try to get as many tips out of him as possible. <laughs> if the score has the name of a person, you assume that person is manually crafting <laughs> that ranking. Uh, but, Technically, yeah, it stands for balance of Satoshis. It has nothing to do with his name. That's just a coincidence. I think it stands for his name, too, because he <laughs> made balance of Satoshis. No, like I'm aware. It's, it's a running joke in here. I think one of the reasons my boss score was bad was because we proposed an Odell score. 
<laughs> yeah, competing scores. That's minus five hundred. Uh... Yeah, I think you should do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we need like. So, what do you? What are your thoughts on like reputation systems uh, for lightning nodes? Like, this is this this is something that's essential, right? Yeah, I, I like reputation systems. I just don't know how to do them. It's always very hard. Like a, a global ranking is, is not maybe for lightning nodes. It's good, uh, but the generally like the, the graph of reputation, I think it works better, but also much harder to build for all this stuff. For lightning nodes, I the thing I, I like about the thing I wanted to see is like if a peer is closing channels, because <laughs> I hate that, and mm -hmm. also failing. I don't know what they what they measure that, but they probably don't measure if the peer is closing channels because I don't know. You you can't know if why a, a channel was closed in more, unless you're watching the logs and understanding all the internals. So I think that's information is not public. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's tricky right now. There's just so many different metrics uh, out there, and it's hard to weigh them versus each other. Uh, I think it's, uh, you know, th that's pretty much why the metrics for bots aren't public. I think they're still getting ironed out. Uh, you know, even a heavy router like Boz is still trying to figure out which metrics together or on their own are most valuable and should be weighted the most. And uh, yeah, it's, it's going to take a good amount of time more. We're, we're going to need more routing on the network. And, you know, what, what may be a good peer for one person might not necessarily be a good peer for another. I think a lot of that really depends on what your flows and the flows of your users are, are really looking like. You know, like you want to make sure that your liquidity is accommodating to the flows that your users are going through on a regular basis, more so than anything else. Yeah. So I have the tweet. I pulled the tweet up just because it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, I mean, I, you, you mentioned something that was interesting there, Fiat Jeff. I mean, like right now, like it's so, we don't even know, um, like it's so experimental. Like it, you can't really, like I have, I have uh, at least on LND, like I'll just have, channels just get closed that I didn't close that were just, you know, it, it, they, they just closed themselves. Uh, and I don't believe that they, I did, at first I didn't believe they closed themselves. Um, except I saw like a couple channels closed that like were with people that like I really trusted and they're like swore to me that they didn't close the channel. Um, yep. so like there's like phantom closes happening uh a tour like should tour people get punished when you have their that tour right only yeah i i think a lot of people have a lot of issues with that getting bad okay. circuits so this and, is a uh, screenshot this is the screenshot from last week may 11th right and here's the screenshot from today <laughs> how do you jump up so much <laughs> like i'm green i'm good i'm not unstable anymore <laughs> oh my god it's the boss slider man pretty fucking funny man um, and they, they have way less, I have way more peers than 176, but whatever. Um, yeah, the tour thing is interesting, right? Because like, if you're talking about, uh, if you're talking about sovereign lightning nodes, right? Like they should be running tour only. 
But if you're going to talk about uptime, um, you know, obviously you'd be better off if you're running in like Amazon's main server farm in ClearNet. Yeah, I, I just see them as two different classes of nodes. It's like you're either, you know, really into the routing and you're willing to make yourself public facing on ClearNet or you're more so catering yourself towards personal use and privacy. And uh, yeah, I, I think they're very much different and they come with their own unique set of challenges and, you know, they're not going to perform the same uh, under the same conditions just because of that network uh, alone. Yeah. Fucking hilarious. Um, so, uh, so last week I accidentally, or maybe two weeks ago, I accidentally said that you were um, the maintainer of Fiat Jaff. I said you were the maintainer of this Immortan, uh, I guess, yeah. Lightning implementation, <laughs> which you aren't. Um, but you want to talk about it? Like you're one of the, I, I, you're the one who brought it to my attention. So, do we know um, for sure though? I mean, Fiat Jaff is a NIM, okay? So, so like who's to say for sure well i would i would love to be the author of this but uh, i'm not uh, and well i, I can't i can't speak you, you should try to get anton here in the show on the show but he, he won't give interviews to anyone i think and so i'm trying my best and the, the idea is that like the blw was a, a was a custom implementation too People say it was based on Eclair, like OpenOne said it last week, but uh, it, it isn't really. It, it, he just took the, the cryptographic functions and encoding functions from Eclair, but all the, the logic, the lightning logic is, is custom, and he's doing it again on Immortal. And basically he says, Immortal has two difference, two key differences from, from the BOW. One is that it has hosted channels like in a more prominent sp space. And the hosted channels on, on BLW, like the V1 hosted channels, they were just on a, on the edges of, you, you only have a hosted channel between your BLW and an Eclair server. And with Morton, he created a parallel network of hosted channels that can route payments. So you, you can have uh, two Eclairs and a hosting channel between them and they can sit in the middle of a route and you can initiate a, a payment from your immortal based wallet that passes through that hosted channel you can't advertise that channel on the on the global channel lightning channel graph because uh it requires the the the, the, the protocol requires you to have an on-chain utxo for that but he made a, a separate gossip mechanism for to announce these channels and uh, the immortal wallet understands that and also the Eclair hosted channels plugin understand that so they they know about the channel once you know that the, about the channel you can you can send a payment through it and and also that the trampoline thing like he's very he loves trampoline routing now and you we, using trampoline routing one one node can outsource like they can they can route a payment through your immortal mobile wallet. So if your if your mobile wallet is online, you're connected to a node, uh, and the node if the node understands that trampoline thing, they can route a payment through through you to another place. 
like using another channel you your mobile wallet has so it's good for the peer that they if it can, it can be like a hosted channel or a normal channel between the the mortal node and the server it's good for the peer that the sets don't get stuck in that channel because on a normal uh, on a normal mobile wallet if someone opens a channel to that wallet or the the wallet opens a channel to to that to that node the sets they they're stuck there like between your breeze wallet and the breeze uh, server there's a channel and the breeze server has sets on that channel but they can't get the sets out unless they close the channel so they, they're there but if using this this technique you can send a payment from the server to the wallet and then to elsewhere so you can clean up your your sets from that channel anyway i hope that's clear so that these two big improvements also also the ability to i'm not sure this is doable right now but the, actually it is like the ability to the ability to send a payment that passes through a private channel and then goes on that breaks the the heuristic uh, that like a private channel is always the end of the payment because you don't know maybe now that payment will still go on so it's good for privacy very good for privacy breaks one of the big problems with like in privacy that anthony talked about well i mean to break it down so so basically all of our lightning implementations so far have been focused on uh full node users this idea that you use your own node and it's almost like after the fact, after like a second tier of user is the user who's going to be a light user. And, you know, we'll make these different trade-offs to, to make that possible for them to use it without their own node. While Immortan seems like just an acceptance that not every user is going to use their own node. So there should be a implementation that's focused on, on light users, users that aren't yep. using their own node, right? Like from the ground yep. up, it should be focused on that and those trade-offs. I wouldn't say that users that using your own node, but like the lightning implementation are focused on servers, I think. Right. Like nodes nodes that are online all the time. And then they 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 realized you could have lightning node wallets on, on phones. But I think like BLW lets you use your own Bitcoin node. Uh, by default it doesn't, but you can point to your own Bitcoin node and maybe more than will too. So yeah, you can still use your, your own node, but it's focused on the, the light mobile wallet. So Evan, you, you have any comments here before we move on from a Morden? Uh, no, I'm just really looking forward to it coming out and people being able to mess around with it. So uh, definitely something I would explore and then want to play around with. Uh, I know a lot of people want to get some like client wallet trolling. Uh, it's exciting. And it more than might be a really good solution alongside, you know, rolling your own L and D or messing with rust lightning. Uh, yeah. would really love to play around with it. I mean, it's yeah. interesting, right? Cause like, uh, I mean, there's like roles to play for all these things. I mean, I run, I, I run two 24-7 Lightning nodes. I use Zeus to connect to them. Um, but at the end of the day, like if I'm gonna accept a quick payment or something, like I protect I prefer to use Moon. Like it's just it's just cleaner. I like that it's just all built in, you know. 
And I feel like there's something to be said there about something like a Morden. If, if you have something that's literally designed for, um, basically mobile users. Right. And then, then I don't have to deal with, you know, my tour circuit working or any of that shit. And I can, I can leave the heavy lifting for those nodes at a different time if I want. Yeah. I mean, it's perfectly normal to have different, you know, risk profiles for different kinds of payments. You know what I mean? If I'm just trying to accept a cool 10 bucks, 20 bucks at the bar from a friend, you know, there's nothing wrong with throwing that on a custodial wallet. Right. I'm not going to use my fucking routing node to fucking accept that payment. Like that's ridiculous. <laughs> and I'm going to yeah. dox my public key to him, you know, at the same time. Yeah. And yeah. Any, I mean, anyone that he shares it with by accident. Yeah. And you know, things are constantly changing. It's going to be easier with these new routing types to get receiver privacy, but you know, things are, are sort of hairy right now. So it's completely to normal to be using different wallets for different functions. Do you think, do you think Alan Big is evil? And the fact that Alan Big is sponsoring Immortal makes it evil too. <laughs> oh, Alan Big, not, yeah, Alan Big, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it doesn't make Immortan evil, but it also doesn't make Alan Big not evil. <laughs> Why do you think it's evil? I mean, I'm not saying that Ellen Big is evil, but I'm saying that we should be skeptical. Like, I feel like there's a lot of Bitcoin promoters, you know, on, on Twitter and stuff. Like, look, I don't know if you guys can see um, on the top left hand corner, we can see like all the how many freaks are tuning in through the live uh, live streams. Uh, it shows the total number of freaks. I'm not sure if they show that to you. Do they show that to you? Uh, I don't see no, it. No. Uh, well, oh, anyway. Oh, when yeah. we were talking about Elon and the price and shit, we were fucking 10x where we are right now, right? Like when you get when you get like an hour and a half into like a technical conversation, um, you only have the ride or dies left. And 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 the hidden secret with Bitcoin is, you know, if you if you care about engagement, the two things that that work for you are either heavy fear or which doesn't even work as well, but the real thing that works it's just heavy bullishness. You just, you put <laughs> bullishness on everything, which is why like this is a technical show, but I constantly reiterating that Bitcoin is designed to pump forever, right? Cause you got to toe the line. Um, but so, so the issue is the, the issue that you see is um, you see people ignore these things that, you know, bingo nuance that, that, you know, we should be critical of and we should be concerned about. And the big thing for me for a while and still is, is that Ellen Big has like half the public capacity of the network. Uh, it's a little bit less now. Um, and everyone just glosses that over when they're set, talking about public capacity numbers, right? And if you mix it with Ellen Big and then you do like the top three regulated KYC services that are on Lightning, right? Then you're like 75% of the network's public capacity are these, you know, the small group of, of institutions and we have no idea who Alan Big is. So it could very well be, you know, I've heard people speculate and I really don't have any desire to speculate, but I've heard people speculate. It's like a, a rich Russian Bitcoiner who just wants to see the lightning network grow and just throwing a bunch of money in. I respect that. That would be awesome. You know, I mean, I, I'm not, you know, I don't have his kind of money and I'm not Russian, but I did similar with our stacking sats note. I just threw a shit ton of money into it uh, to just try and jumpstart the whole thing and encourage people to, you know, experiment with these kinds of things. But at the end of the day, whoever this unknown entity is, is running, you know, 
tens, like 50 nodes all in from the same like server farm that's like in Langley, Virginia, like right next to where the CIA's base is. Uh, and, and like there's only like three of us that call it out that, that ever fucking talk about it. No one talks about it. So what you're saying so, is operate <laughs> as if Ellen Big is CIA. Or something, you know, something malicious. I think I think you should. I mean, not saying one way or the other for sure, but yeah, why not make that presumption and stay on the, the cautious side? Like when a Morton comes out, we got to review that code. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like the, the, the analogy that I brought up in the, the past is like Tor is funded by three-letter agencies, right? So it doesn't mean that, you know, Tor is inherently bad, but it doesn't make the three-letter agencies any better for funding it. Uh, I mean, they benefit off the anonymity and uh, the anonymity set that it creates. So um, it makes sense. It doesn't really devalue it, really, if you could verify what it actually does. But, you know. Well, it does, it does put into question, it makes you think, like, it makes a lot of sense that Tor is not, you know, designed for an environment where the U.S. government is adversarial towards it. Right. And like there was never designed that way. And I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, the money behind it happens to be the U.S. government. Right. I mean, listen, uh, well, we know the flaws in Tor, you know, anyone could set up these uh, these output nodes. Right. Um, you know, that they could be just pwned overnight. Right. But we got to do yeah. mostly it, it serves our purposes really well. Well, anyway, that's my little rant on Ellen Big. Um, and we got Anthony in the comments defending them. We should be more concerned about all the random nodes than Ellen Big. I, why? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm very naive of these things. Like it, it looks like a Russian guy with our money that wants to help Lightning, and I believe that because I'm very naive. I also believe Satoshi Nakamoto is a young Japanese boy. <laughs> so that's my imagination isn't is very yeah young Japanese boy I'm uh, I'm on board with that theory at least we know Ellen B it's hard to They're talking about Alan. Yeah, Langley is just fucking with us. Yeah, you're coming in and out a little bit. Um, yeah, it's it's absolutely because of talking about Alan Vic. But um, yeah, I mean, as far as like connecting to a random node, uh, you know, it, can you hear me now? No, oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah you're back. I think. Apologies. Yeah, we were disconnected. I was disconnected for a little while there, so I apologize to the freaks if if it was disjointed. You on that satellite internet this week, Matt? Actually, don't answer. No, that it's because language. we started. We started talking about big, and, and we used the Langley keyword, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, everything just starts going down. Yeah, par for the course. If you keep uh, disconnecting, you we won't invite you next week. Yeah, uh, next time we got it, we'll, we'll invite some guests on. Don't worry, Matt. <laughs> uh, <I> appreciate that. <laughs> um. You, 
Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just want more conversation about Ellen big. I just, the, the, you know, whatever I'm not, I'm not trying to be conspiratorial here, but I, I just think, you know, if you got to discount, you got to at least discount the public capacity that's provided by Ellen big, cause it's all provided by a single entity. Right. So, um, um, let's stay on the note of random nodes though. And Anthony makes a pretty good point in that you sort of have to trust all your counterparties on lightning, right? You're trusting them to not close your channel at an inconvenient time, but also if you're routing payments through them and they're your first hop out, uh, they're going to know, you know, that's coming from you and where it's going next. Right. So you're trusting them in that regard. Yeah, but they don't they don't know if you're the one originating that payment no no they know that you're just passing something along yeah but still that adds up if you end up using a route multiple times uh they could start you know creating a profile on you of some sort uh so while uh you have some guarantees and that you know it's not necessarily coming from you you could be another hop in the net they could start still start making some assumptions about you um so for the most part, I'd say on LN, it's better to have counterparties that you trust. Yeah. Yeah, for multiple reasons, I think. I mean, it's a little bit weird, right? Because, I mean, we were so, I, I feel like we were sold that it was, you know, that wasn't the case, right? It was just, it was like poor expectation management. I think like big words like uh, like trustless in nature got misconstrued and whatnot, and also things getting learned on the fly as we have this new experimental network that's really only been around what three years now. Uh, we're still learning things, you know, every day really, like new. Yes. It's like hell. Even Anthony's deep dive on privacy, like no one's really done that till since you know last week. You know, this is a really nascent network and. I wouldn't blame that part really much as like, you know, bad marketing or like fraudulent marketing, like other product products in the space have, but more so not really knowing all the constraints of it out the gate. Uh, Ted Dreyer tells a story. I, I heard him saying this on some podcast that like Ted Dreyer and Joseph Fung, I think the, the guys that invented the lightning network. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. Like he, he, he tells something like that Joseph was very excited and saying that I think he even says that in the original presentation the, from 2015 that Lightning Network will allow us to route like dozens of millions of, I don't know, a very large number and <laughs> made all that hype about it while, while Tej was very cautious and didn't, he says he didn't really believe it was going to be such a, such a, powerful thing and then joseph Poon went to ethereum <laughs> so that's common like expected behavior yeah i mean we have nvk on the show a lot and he you know he makes an interesting point i mean i don't know if it's a it's just a lot of aspects of of the lightning ecosystem feel a little bit shitcoiny you know uh or like less adversarial it's it doesn't uh and that's not to degrade the the devs who work on it all the time. I mean, I have so much respect uh, for all the devs that are are contributing to Lightning projects and making it more robust. Um, 
But it does. It, it's like the portion of Bitcoin that's like less adversarial, right? It's like our. It's like our fun sandbox where you can do all these different things and kind of you, you know hashtag reckless right like imagine if like bitcoin core devs were like oh run bitcoin core you know hashtag reckless like that would be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, like leave all your funds in the hot wallet you know what i mean but uh no i mean listen it's it's supposed to be your checking account right this is their funds that you want to be able to move at a moment's notice and uh there's a trade-off in the security model to accommodate for that yeah. Right. So it's definitely not where you want to have the majority of your savings on, right? You know, it's just like what you're trying to, to move in your month or whatever. Or until the next time you have to rebalance or, or open new channel the channels, you know. Right. Um Okay, so I mean on to the next topic. Uh while we have you here, Fiat Jeff, uh you have this project that I'm going to butcher the name, uh, Antelinium, 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 horrible name, dude, it's a really bad name. Uh, so you want to talk to the freaks about what it is and why they should care? Uh, I'm not sure they should care. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, the idea of smart contracts, uh, it, it's, it was on my mind for a long time and I realized that they they could be useful, like as a programmable scroll, like that you you put money in there and something happens and people can trust that they don't have to trust absolutely, but they can trust that the person there's not a person interested in like that can steal from that from that contract that escrow. So I made this uh, this explanation was terrible. <laughs> but the idea is that you can, it's like Ethereum, but on Ethereum, you have an escrow that is the, the Ethereum network and the, the nodes and the validation and the miners and so on. In this case, it's the same, but this scroll is a server that I run. And other people can post their, their contracts there. Like they write a, some lines of code and then they have a smart escrow that they can use for other things. And someone, Using that doesn't have to trust the person who wrote the code. They only have they, to trust me in this case, right. and that's it. So it's like a, it's it's. I mean, it's a flex on Ethereum. You're saying we can do what what you do, and you, as long as you add this trusted third party. Um, but but because this trusted third party, it's like the Uncle Jim model, right? Like the trusted third party can have competition. There's a bunch of different providers. Uh, you know, ideally, yeah. there aren't. But if there were then you could get away with that trust model more. Is that the, that's the argument basically, right? The, the, the argument is, is like separating the, the person who, that ensures you that like guarantees your money, like holds your money and guarantees that some code will be run, separating that from the person who wrote the code. Right. And, the, and to me, I mean, the simple use case is is this prediction market betting use case? Um, yeah, I've, I've been trying to make a ton of small apps to showcase it. Yeah, <laughs> that, is, yeah. That on, one makes the most sense to me. There's a lot of there should be a lot of demand there. Why is no one using it? I don't think it's very good. Like the incentives are not very good. You you have to make another one that uses a different calculation for the 
for the market like because otherwise you you pay you, you can't buy a lot of shares otherwise you pay up the, the the probability will sky high so you have to buy one buy a few shares and tell someone else to buy the others but it still works like that way like it it has a market is market uh automated market maker thing that like uh this you don't need a, another book for that so it's good in that way but on the other hand it's not very optimized for large volumes and also the idea that the person who created the the contract resolves it is not ideal <laughs> like the right, person who should, there should be another that, way yeah the discrete log contract guys are trying to solve that right where the oracle is a separate person and doesn't know what the bets are but i i do feel like uh i mean when i got into bitcoin my first use case i mean i think you know the obvious use case was was gambling right i mean you had satoshi dice but you also had we had black tuesday in america where they basically just like cut off all the online betting sites um and yeah like it's you know online betting now in the united states has become you know more legal and you have the you know you have portnoy playing in it with pen gaming and you have DraftKings, and you know you, you have yahoo you have all these different regulated services that offer online betting but uh to me there's this massive demand for you know no kyc frictionless bitcoin gambling whether that's you know we can call it gambling or we can call it prediction markets it's the same shit uh and it's like everyone's just trying to reinvent the wheel almost you know it's like i've i've been in the space for a eight plus years and everyone's trying to overcomplicate it. Like I just need like a, a relatively simple liquid site that uh, not like liquid Bitcoin, like a site that has enough volume, right. That, that I don't care if it's centralized, you know, let me just bet with lightning, get in and out of my bets easily. Call it a day. Like I don't, what, you know, what do you want to bet on like sports or well, the big one in America the big one in America is Americans aren't legally allowed to gamble on elections. So um, all those regulated services I just mentioned simply cannot have any election bets. Right. Yeah. So we had this major election come and go and there was like nobody was offering it. Like the Ethereum guys have like this super complicated auger. You know, the DLC guys are talking about DLCs left and right, discrete log contracts. But you couldn't there was no easy way to bet on it. Um, that was a failure in my mind, right? Like that's that's ridiculous. It's 2021. So there, there's two problems there. One is the the order book thing. The, the liquidity is important, as you said, but it's very hard to get. And if you do the order book thing, it's impossible because no one's going to put orders on the site without liquidity. And when someone one joins the site, they don't find any order, so it's all empty. So it's very hard to to get going. So the automated market makes you think it it solves that part, but I think no one has used it on the wild. It's uh, I copied the, the code from the Hive Mind project, and the other problem is that the law, right? You you could have, right. yeah. When when these these markets start to get in, to get interesting, uh, they always they always fail. They always like the, the government always shut them down, and you could do. If you watch the the post stores, 
presentation on HiveMind. Uh, you can do a ton of interesting things with this with this betting markets, and you can do conditional betting, and you you can like extract a lot of knowledge from the society uh, from from these markets using these markets. But the problem is that the law will always be against it. So you need a system like Bitcoin, I think, for this. I think a system that is very uh, censorship resistant. So yeah, yeah. the Ethereum prediction market, prediction market is a toy like the, to showcase the the, the algorithm, the, the 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 sorry, the automated market maker algorithm to show that it works even with like very few users. You can still buy shares. You don't depend on someone else going on the site at the same time and <laughs> staying there, something like that. Uh, but the other part, the censorship resistant part is very important. That's why I, I wanted to see Hive Mind working. And like, I mean, like a Bitcoin, well, I, it behooved me to mention, uh, you know, economics geek, uh, Nick Carter, our boy Nick Carter, like he thinks like prediction markets would be awesome for corn futures because corn futures, I guess, are illegal. And we, we like, we, <laughs> he, he thinks that'd be a fun used for prediction markets but prediction markets are really fucking cool this idea that you can gamble on an outcome because it goes back to the video games that we were talking about with the video games um you have sats on the line you actually have skin in the game so those predictions uh the way those betting markets go should be way more likely uh outcome wise than if you if you have like a centralized polling provider or something like that and a perfect example in bitcoin land right now is like, where the fuck is our betting markets on on whether or not when Taproot's going to get activated, right? Like that should be, when I start this show or when I do rabbit hole recap on Thursday and I'm talking about how likely it is for Taproot to get activated, it shouldn't be based on some engagement account on Twitter that's saying, oh, 90% of mining <laughs> pools are, are saying it's activated now. It should be on a very liquid betting site that says, you know, 10,000 Bitcoin are saying that, you know, Tappard's going to be activated in the next month and a half. Um, and we don't have that. It's crazy that we don't have that. I am not saying I deserve shit because I'm not going to build that. I don't, I don't want to have <laughs> that liability on me. But some NIM, some enterprising NIM somewhere in the Seychelles or some shit should have like this, 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 that service should be available. It's it's gonna come. I mean, th things are just so early as far as that stuff goes right now. Like, like DLCs are really just rolling now, and I think we're gonna see a lot more services using them, you know, um, in, in the next year even. And furthermore, we don't even have DLCs on Lightning yet. We we need to get Taproot activated, and that's gonna be a game changer in itself. So a lot of people. You know, probably have an idea of what they want their infrastructure to look like, and it's just not technically possible yet uh, with the state of the blockchain right now. We got um, some guys in the comments mentioning Stacks, which was formerly Blockstack, which was formerly something else, I think. This is terrible um, shit coin. This is terrible, yeah. terrible. They lie. They're liars. <laughs> Let's, hear this. Let's hear this. I want to hear your opinion on yeah, it. Yeah, I, I want to hear the rundown. Oh, I, I don't know very much about Stacks, but I know that Block Stack has been lying since they were created. Like they make a ton of marketing about 
doing something, something blockchain, something decentralized, something like they don't explain what they're doing and no one cares, no one looks. And when when you go look inside the, the block stack thing, they have decentralized apps. It was all fake because the apps were just running in a cloud server that you could <laughs> host yourself. Like, is this a normal app? Like, <laughs> you can host apps normally. And then you store the data on a decentralized network that's just a server that you can run. But everybody runs the server that they offered by default. And then they, they buy a ton of Bitcoiners with this. They, they, they give money for Bitcoiners to build apps that integrated block stack. And oh, I don't know. It's, it's so terrible. And then they make this stacks thing that's a shit coin. And they say they say it's based on Bitcoin, but it's it's not. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I, I don't know the details about stack, but I know it's not based on Bitcoin. It's not a side chain. And they say it is. So it starts with a lie. And they have a they have a regulated shit coin that's attached to it. That they yeah. were they they got legal permission to dump on retail. <laughs> I remember everyone was super proud of them. There's like all the congratulations were going out on Bitcoin Twitter. <laughs> and I was like, guys, like, can we not congratulate someone for getting regulatory approval to to dump a shit coin on retail? And then I got a lot of shit for that. And here we are. Um, I haven't looked at that chart lately, but I assume it's pretty just trending to zero with everything else. Um, now I mean, this is my same concern with RSK, right? Like RSK has got like shitcoin vibes all over it. It's got the fucking token. You know, I don't know what to believe there, right? Would you agree, Fiat Jeff? Like, how is that different than RSK? Uh, RSK is a, a a real side chain if you if you consider the federated peg side chain. So you can really move bitcoins there and transact bitcoins and move them move them back. Futures their their model, so I but think then, it's what's it's, the token it, for? Uh, I I don't know the the story about the token, but you can ignore the token. It's like another <laughs> token inside. But if you the, can ignore the token, it's almost worse. I, I, I'm not sure. Like the token, I, I, what do you need the stacks big, token for? You can't move Bitcoin to the stacks blockchain, <laughs> and you can't move the bitcoins back. Uh, but you can do it on RSK. That's the purpose of RSK. The token was like a money grab thing to finance the the stuff. I don't know. I don't like the token. But I'm yeah, saying it's different, it's different projects. Like one is trying to be a sidechain, even if they have a shady token. The other is just a shit coin that markets itself <laughs> with a lie. A governance they, token. <laughs> they both they both sound like shit coins to me. What do you have an opinion on Urbit? While I have uh, you. <laughs> I liked I mean, Orbit when I first read about it. <laughs> That's my opinion. It, but it also has a shit coin. It's like yeah. my barometer is like if these things have shit coins attached to them, it's just like it's probably they, garbage. They didn't have a shit coin in the beginning. It was just that weird talk about planets and shit. Those and... are the shit coins. They have their <laughs> NFT shit coins, like planets, universes, stars. They're all yeah, tradable. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know they are now, but in the beginning, when I was reading, there was no mention of shitcoins. And then when they got traction, they said, "Oh, we decided to do these things that are properties on the network, and we need a network uh, blockchain to do it." And they decided to do it on Ethereum, and then we launched these tokens. <laughs> yeah, but they're switching to Bitcoin, but it still has the. Well, like, that's I, what I think... people don't realize. Like, I like my issue with shit tokens isn't that they're on Ethereum. 
It's like they're like, oh, if we put the shit token on liquid, then the Bitcoiners will like it. Like, I still don't like your shit token. But do, don't you mean? think there is some form of digital assets that can exist besides Bitcoin? I mean, that's a million dollar question. The one that we tolerate on this show is the BIST DAO token. Like, is that a shit coin? Yes. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is a shit coin. I mean, like, how, how deep in the weeds do we want to go defining shit coins here? <laughs> well, my, my thing is that if the token represents something real. Oh, total shit coin. I mean, like, if it's like a tangible thing in the real world, like, oh, this asset's pegged to well, gold. What about Tether? Is Tether a shit coin? Yeah, Tether, I think it's not a shit coin. Why is Tether not a shit coin? Because it's an IOU, like, it's not, not a shit coin. It's a proper IOU. Yeah. I, I think that there are some assets that maybe you can own that aren't money that you can transfer, but uh, I'm not sure about the concrete examples. Is gold but a governance, shit coin? Governance tokens are not are always shit coin. Come on, gold's totally a shit coin. Is, yeah, is gold a shit coin? <laughs> you put that on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> this used to be a reoccurring segment on the show. That, like after like ten episodes, everyone just agreed it was a shit coin. So I stopped asking the question, but it it did fit. Um, what do you think? Do you think gold is a shit coin? Um. No, I think no. Yeah. It depends on what your definition of a shitcoin is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So if gold's not a shitcoin, then I I think I would agree that tether's not a shitcoin, or like a tether gold, right? Wouldn't be a shitcoin if you don't think gold. Like if if the asset that is backing whatever you know, you're like you're relying on a trusted third party. It's an IOU, but maybe it's not a shitcoin. But I think gold's a shitcoin. So the IOU is also shitcoin. Yeah, but there, there's also some assets, digital assets. I think maybe the Orbit example is not that bad. Uh, if you, if the shit coins are the ships and planets, <laughs> they are, they are properties like they're digital properties and the, on the, their closed network that you can join by buying a ship. Uh, digital real estate. Digital real estate. Yeah, maybe How these are these aren't shit coins, but that's what yeah. shit corners say. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't there a whole shitcoin just based on make-believe land, digital Sec space? Oh, yeah, yeah. Barry Silbert's neck deep in it. What was it called? <laughs> oh, man. There's just too many to keep track of at this point, honestly. <laughs> yeah, but I think the thing has to exist before you sell it. Decentraland. Decentraland. That's it. <laughs> I hate no, that I know that. <laughs> There's going to be like a game show one day. Who knows their shit coin? Name that shit coin. Yeah, yeah. Hey, idea uh, for a future segment. We'll see. Well, there was a there was a shit coin that used multiple mining algorithms to supposedly make it more decentralized, but uh, a malicious individual figured out that all you had to do is compromise a single uh, algorithm to compromise the whole system. What was the name of that shit coin? Uh, I don't know. I, don't know, I thought we were playing a game show, so I just went for it. <laughs> I think it was Verge, right? Dogecoin Dark or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, that that's another show that we won't do our shitcoin, uh, our shitcoin trivia show. Um, so one one thing about shitcoins is like 
the Uniswap example on Ethereum, I don't know if you know about this, <laughs> probably you know, but there's the Uniswap thing that doesn't have a token. And it's kind of useful thing in the context of Ethereum. And then they launched another version that has a shitcoin. I think that's the definition. Like, you don't need that. You had it working without the shitcoin. And then you launched something <laughs> to shitcoin and you invented some some crap that shitcoin does. I, I, I love that's that. The definition. Yeah. That's but you realize what happened, right? It was a competitor. It was a competing product released it with a shitcoin that that made you money if you used it. Was it a pancake swap or something? No, it was sushi swap. Sushi. I, fuck, I fucking hate that I know this. It was sushi <laughs> swap, and then they were taking all the volume from Uniswap, so then Uniswap added their own token because they didn't want the volume to get taken. And then CZ, Binance CZ, fucking just completely cloned the whole Ethereum chain <laughs> and made it super centralized with three-second blocks, and he called it Binance Smart Chain. And on that, he created... Pancake Swap, which is a direct copy of Uniswap and Sushi Swap, but is on Binance Smart Chain. So that's that's what's going on in Shitcoin land right what, now. What CZ did was he saw at Lenium, he's like, wow, <laughs> how awesome could a project be if you centralize it? But, and he pretty much copied it. But he had good branding instead of Atlenium. Yeah. You know, Binance Smart Chain sounds so much better. Atlenium is better because you can talk to this general world. Like on Ethereum, you can't. But on on Ethereum, you can you can make HTTP calls to other sites and fetch data. So the Oracle problem is solved. You you just have to trust the server. So it's not solved. Yeah, it's not solved. I mean, that's the main issue of the Oracle problem, right? Is like a trusted third party. Yeah, but you're already trusting the entire Ethereum structure, so. Okay, so Lightning Junkie is pretty upset with us for talking about shit coins. I just want to just one more thing, just just really quickly. Like this BSC thing is hilarious. Like this is something that a lot of us have theorized for a while, and Binance finally did it. Um, Is just that if if you start centralizing to try and reduce fees and friction, someone else is going to come that centralizes further, and you're just gonna it's a race to the bottom. You're just gonna have to compete. And uh, Bitcoiners don't talk about it a lot with the BSC thing, but it's it's like their Bcash, but it's actually being done by a, you know, a, a, a player who's actually very sophisticated in the market, Binance, you know, one of the probably the most um, popular exchange by volume. Um, I mean, who knows how much volume is real, but but he's like actually executing on this shit and he uses the same fucking addresses, right? Like we, we had... Um, it's literally the same exact address format. If you look at a BSC address, it looks exactly like an Ethereum address. You can't tell the difference. It's it's, an, it's exactly the same address. You can switch between. He even has a setting you can switch MetaMask that just switches to his chain. Um, and like now we have Portnoy. Portnoy. I'm not going to say the name of the shitcoin, but Portnoy shield the bottom of the battle of shitcoin. Guess what chain it's on? It's on BSC. It's not on Ethereum. So they played themselves. And it's it's just pretty fucking hilarious uh, case study to watch unfold. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so Lightning Junkies wants us to talk about any prevout L two channel factories. Um, do you guys have strong opinions on them? Uh, I mean, there. I think we need uh, we need an additional soft fork uh, to enable that, right? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Any prevout is bit one eighteen. I think. And L2 builds upon that. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, then cha- channel factories. 
I, I don't know too well. Uh, I bet Jaff could speak to a lot of this stuff better than I could actually. So, yeah, that's the best soft fork, much better than Taproot, much more useful than Taproot. <laughs> you should have this and not Taproot. If you, if you, maybe you can have both. Yeah, probably you need both. So, could you explain what it is in a nutshell to someone who may not know and hasn't been following? Uh, so the basic idea is that you can create a Bitcoin transaction that does, doesn't reference a previous output. And then later, after the transaction was already signed and okay, you assign it to a previous output. And this enables L2, which is uh, a much better way to have lightning channels that you can just keep updating the state and deleting the, the previous states because you, you can always you always have a, a transaction that is pre-signed by your peer and you you can attach it to any previous state of that channel. So if your peer tries to cheat you, you can attach the, the newest version of the channel to that and then you're okay. So you don't have to keep track of all the previous states. Like you, currently you, you keep track of a penalty key for all the previous states. So it's very cumbersome and very complex design. You, uh, yeah, very, very complex to implement. And we feel L2 is much simpler. So you can have more complex stuff on top of L2 that you can have today, like this channel factors that they're just channels with more than one peer. They, they call them like um, okay. multi-party channels. And then you can have a channel with a bunch of peers and these, and you make virtual channels between these peers inside this, this, this multi-party channel. And then if one of these, like if two of these peers want to exit, they can exit to the change. Uh, they can leave their, their, their multi-party channel with their own channel and they, then it becomes a standalone channel. Anyway, it's, it's better. It's, it's better for backups. It's better for watchtowers. You can actually have watchtowers because in the current model, it's too cumbersome and expensive to have watchtowers. But with any private L2, you can. Yeah. And other things I don't remember. Unwanted channel closes are going to decrease too, as uh, you know, you, you could pop in another input. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the causes of channel closes today is fee negotiation. Like when you created the commitment transaction that you need when you want to force close a channel, the peers have to agree on a fee. And like they have to agree on a fee that will be valid in the future. So it's complicated. And when the negotiation doesn't doesn't match, like one peer wants a higher fee and you want a smaller fee, then the, the channel, they, they close the channel. So that's very bad. Uh, but with any prevalent, you can you can always pay for the fee at the time you're you're committing the you're, you're closing the channel through child pays for parent things. So I think it's better. And what else? So you, you, you remove that step from the from the problem. Yeah. Also in Prevot is very good because it enables space chains. Watch the video from Ruben Sonson on space chains. <laughs> I watched that first say, why should I care about space chains? 
Well, there are some things, as I said, uh, that maybe you want a blockchain for, but you like in 2013, people were talking about block things you can do and but the blockchain, most of them are shit, but some of them were not that bad. But the problem is that to have a blockchain, you need a way to, to mine that chain and to mine the chain, you need a shit coin. So no shot, no blockchain is, is good because they all have shit coins. But with the space chains, you can have a, a blockchain without a shit coin that merge mines with Bitcoin transparently. So that's it. But so you like can have one, one of the examples, uh, actually the, this, the one example I have is DNS, because in the real world now we are all owned by the ICAM people that are vampires. I don't right. know who they are, but- It's big. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> so we need an exit from ICAM and a blockchain. I think it's the best way. And it's good that now with space chains, we can have a, a, a blockchain for names that isn't a shit coin. Well, that sounds pretty cool. Um, I, uh, I wonder like how much, like, I feel like it's hard to, uh, for us to grasp what the future looks like. You know, you have all these moving parts. I mean, so much of it is, um, I mean, it's overwhelming to me and I spend so much time trying to understand it. Uh, I wonder, you know, how much I'm missing when I'm thinking about, you know, what it'll look like in five years, or what will the future look in five years? I mean, the other big thing I'm uh, pretty excited about is state chains, which I don't think requires any kind of soft fork, period. Oh, it just has an interesting trust model that- It requires uh, an improve out too. Oh, it does? Yeah, but the, the, there's the, the this version the commerce block is making. Yeah, that, that one doesn't the, require it, right? Yeah, that doesn't require. But the, with Improve, they're they're better, they're much better. Without without it, the the trade off is that is you're 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 trusting that the state chain provider and your counterparty aren't colluding. As long as they don't collude, you're good though. No, that's with Improve right. out. Yeah. That's with Enprivout. Oh. Without Enprivout, I think the only difference is that they expire. You use uh, time locks, so your state chain thing expires. You have to go to, to go to the chain from while to while. Which is obviously not ideal in a high fee environment. Yeah. But still, the the on the other side, like on, on the real state chain's vision, you still have to trust the the, the counterparty. That's the entity, but the entity can be blind, so it's it's kind of better. They don't have to know about the. They they only have to sign stuff. They don't have to know they are the federation that's custodian. They're they're not actually custodian thing. They're just signing stuff. Got it. So, do you guys think we're gonna get Taproot by the end of the year? Yes, definitely. Probably Definitely. in the next activation period, it'll lock in. I mean, yeah. I mean, you don't think miners are going to fuck around. There's, there's going to be some fucking around, man. But there's going to be a limit to how much like these guys can push the envelope. So you know, Evan, I, we don't have, we don't have the prediction market I want. So like, do you want to put <laughs> money on the line that that the next activation period doesn't? Uh, we don't get, we don't get taproot. 
Um, yeah, let's let's have a friendly wager. What do you say? How much is a friendly wager? I don't know. Put at least a hundred thousand sats down. That's it. Well, let's do uh, let's do five hundred thousand sats. Five hundred thousand sats. We have <laughs> three. Let's do it. Okay, so if if Taproot if Taproot uh, passes the threshold, I guess it technically doesn't activate, right? But if it passes the threshold of ninety percent over the next difficulty adjustment, then I owe you five hundred thousand sats, and if it doesn't, you owe me five hundred thousand sats. I I am one hundred percent in. Let's do it. Okay, deal. It locks in, but it doesn't activate, right? If that's that's the proper terminology. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to activate in November. Right. So yeah, but it will lock After in. Lock in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So lock in, and I am betting that we'll have a lock in during the third activation period. Which is the next one, right? Which You're is not the next one. We're currently in the second one. Each okay. activation period is two weeks, two thousand sixteen bucks. So yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, I think I think this one we we already, yeah, we already overshot it. We got eleven percent of the blocks are red. Uh, and you know, we also, things are a little hairy because not all the miners are signaling consistently. So btc.com is a straggler right now. And, uh, without them, we're at 85%, but with them, we're at like 94% or so. Uh, so, Hey, that's not to say other people won't. Uh, start messing around with it too. Claim technical difficulties. Say, oh, we're morally opposed to Taproot. Who knows? Uh, I don't think it's going to be super straightforward, but I think that the majority will prevail. I think, um, ironically, uh, or maybe it's not ironic. I think like the recent dump in price helps Taproot activation because, like, if the miners are, you know, if if the if the price just is pumping and the miners just feel like they're baller as fuck, then I feel like they're more likely to fuck around. Yeah. But yeah. like the miners are feeling super poor right now. They, you know, their their net worth just went down by twenty three percent. Um. So they they might be less likely to to fuck yeah. around. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. That's definitely a factor. But I think um, it's yeah, the safe yeah. thing to assume is they're gonna fuck around with us. They're if, gonna do. Someone's gonna do something and. It's it's gonna be short sighted, but uh, let's see how it pans out. Let's see how it pans out. We're we're still not exactly on the money right there with the rate we want to be, uh, but you know the numbers are looking good. If if our stragglers who've already the, re the real question is if Elon supports Taproot or not. I mean that's that's basically that that's how these decisions get decided. Yeah, they um, they phone him up. Elon gets on the phone. He calls up. Ellen Big, he's like, "Yo, Ellen Big, what's going on? <laughs> what do you do we know? Should do we, we know make Ellen Big? Ellen Big should signal. Do we have do do we have their opinion on it? We don't They're know like, how they feel. <laughs> Got to have them on the show. I mean, I guess all Lightning people are very pro Taproot, rightfully so. Yeah, um, I mean, no one really has a good argument against Taproot at this point. All our fighting has been about how to activate it. Yeah. Um, Ellen Big is AXA Insurance. We got easy out. I trust him because he said something earlier that I 100% agree with, which is the Chrysler building is a shit coin. Um, okay, so if we get Taproot, so do we think any priv out is, is when do we think that's going to happen? Next year. Yeah, hopefully 2022. Yeah. Damn. I'm, I'm betting on LN. So. 
let's see. That's going to change up a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, I think everybody good. loves any prevalent. No one's yeah. against it. And if the prevent creation does well, and the code is much simpler, the code changes. I think, I think Anthony Towns has a branch that on Bitcoin core that already does it in it's small, the small changes. So, Okay, well, I mean, that's optimistic. I'm, you know, I'm down with supporting that timeline. Do we think, uh, what about cross input signature aggregation? Is that ever going to happen? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> that is such a loaded can of worms just because, like, we don't really have a great way to do it uh, without doing a hard fork, I believe. So, you know, I mean, I, I think it's something everyone would like to see. I think uh, where we'd get Wait, some- you can do it with a soft fork, can't you? Uh, I'm I'm not 100 percent sure. Someone in the comments. Well, if you can't do it without a hard fork, then we're fucked. But I thought, yeah, I thought you could do it. With that's the, the biggest thing right now that it would require a hard fork. Uh, the the way that the signatures are uh are read. So yeah. if someone needs yeah. to come up with a really great way to tackle that, uh, and then maybe we'll, we'll have it. I I don't know. You know, a lot of people are also posturing like. Oh, it's not going to happen. There's too many corporate interests. It would have provided for too much privacy. And I don't think that's that's really the case. I think if we found a clean way to do it, I think it would definitely get activated. But like I said, uh, there's, there's not a great way to do it right now. Yeah, I don't know very much about that. I, I heard these things like that. No one has solved it. Like no one has found a way. But I think like after out. We start to squeeze Bitcoin very much to to put more things on it, and I I, know, I don't know if it will work like that, but I, I I'm hopeful that people will like drive chains, the drive the hash haters grow idea, and then we can move these things to side chains that are very. With the drive chains, the drive chains need any prev out? No, but uh, no. now the drive chain is two parts, like the merge mining, blind merge mining, and the hash rate escrow. And but we can do the blind merge. Is safe? Uh, yes, I think it is. The merge mining we can do with any profile. Like that's how the space chains work. And then we only need the hash rate escrow. That's, so that's BIP 300, right? All the stuff with the merge mining? Yeah. Or is that just hash, uh, hash rate hash escrow? Rate. Yeah, that's. Yeah. 300 yeah why why is it not safe i don't i don't know i don't know i just like why doesn't everyone merge mine like what 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 <laughs> i i've been hearing about drive chains for such a long time i just like assume it's vaporware yeah i, I don't know it's kind of <laughs> like did you realize yeah. what happened with dogecoin and litecoin we're back to the shit coins dogecoin Damn is it. worth more than litecoin but it's merge mined with Litecoin. Like I feel like that broke something, but I don't yeah. know what it broke. But I feel like there's got to be an incentive that's broken there. Like it, they're Litecoin miners that are supposed to mine Dogecoin on the side, and now they're Dogecoin miners that are also mining Litecoin, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it, the incentives are weird, especially when it's like explicit merge mining, not blind, and and also when they're two different shit coins. Like, in the, in the case of drive chain or you you wouldn't have uh right you wouldn't have a shit coin yeah and there's there's an argument that 
it's I think most people don't try to merge mine because it's not worth doing. Like the the miners don't want to to run a node on a stupid shitcoin thing. Just like they're mining Bitcoin, you don't want to plug a terrible software that will crash everything into their, their many rigs. I think this was happening like the when Namecoin is merged mine with Bitcoin, and Namecoin used it to crash miners' nodes. But, but what about like something like Bcash? Like, are they just are they just idiots, or like why 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 didn't they choose the merge mine route rather than you know like their ten block checkpoint thing? With the minority hash rate of the same hash rate of the same algo, like why didn't they merge mine? Mm, I think they're idiots. What's this? Hash? <laughs> yeah, 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 that is the answer. I mean, they're definitely what? idiots, but I'm curious <laughs> if that's why they they're not merge mining, or if they're just they're you know that would be even hash? dumber. It'd be even dumber if they if they merge mine than if they do what they're currently doing. Like I don't even see people offer that as an option. Like no one talks about that in Bcash, or no one talked about. It. Now it's worthless, whatever. Oh, okay. No Bcash. one really talked about. It. Uh, no, I think the problem is that the miners wouldn't want to run these softwares. But if it's blind merge mining, like like the space chains model, then the miners don't have to know about it. You just merge mine by publishing transactions, normal Bitcoin transactions, and the miners just use this. So like, how does that work, the merge mining? So like, let's say I'm a Litecoin miner, right? And, you know, Dogecoin's piggybacking on it. And I'm like, listen, I don't care about Dogecoin. I don't want to do this extra computation. I don't care about the extra reward I'm going to get. So when I mine my blocks, do does Doge not get a block mined? And effectively, Dogecoin users have to wait until a miner comes and mines a block that does include Dogecoin? Yeah, I think it is. That's that's the way it is. RSK is blind, is merge mining with Bitcoin, so the miners have to run RSK nodes, and I think seventy percent are doing it. You you can look at the the coin base of the blocks. Most of the them have an RSK block thing on an upper. Yeah, but like, what does that mean? Like, is that secure or is that bullshit? Is that like a bullshit number when when Sergio comes out and he's like seventy like. He's like, we have we have one of the most hash rates out of any chain, you know, besides Bitcoin. We have 70% of Bitcoin hash rate is, is merge mining RSK. Like, is that just bullshit? I think it's partly bullshit, but it's also partly good. <laughs> it's bullshit because it's not the same security model of Bitcoin. Um, but it's also a good way of doing... You, you need some time stamping thing on your chain. And the, the best way to do it is just to use the Bitcoin chain. But on the other hand, it's not secure in the sense that you can't, it's hard to roll back. It's it's easier to roll back RSK than it is to roll back Bitcoin. It's It's got a property of that, like if you attack, let's say Litecoin or Rootstock, whatever, or you, you attack the main chain that all the merge mining is piggybacking on, you can also hack or 51% attack you know, the sub trans. So like if you but, do, an I mean, that's a given, that's a yeah. given, but I mean, that, it basically incentivizes it, it further monetizes an attack on the main chain. But, but like, I'm trying to struggle with, I'm struggling with the idea of this, like 70% merge mind with Bitcoin. Like, it, does that make it more secure than a independent chain that just has a different POW, like, uh, like Ethereum, you know, 
that has a different algorithm, but is POW, separate POW, less hash rate than 70% of Bitcoin's hash rate. It's probably more secure than, I mean, there's other elements to it, right? But proof of work wise, it's probably more secure than this merge mind RSK shit. Um, yeah, that's hard. Question. It's so weird. It's so weird because we like talk about all these theoreticals, right? And then it's like, you know, like central, super centralized, like Binance chain doesn't get attacked or anything. You know, it's like we have like these super centralized Dogecoin, right? Like there's like three people running Dogecoin nodes, right? Like no one is, they, they keep all their Dogecoin on Robinhood or whatever, and no one actually attacks it. So like until like people like actually, until like these chains actually get attacked, it's all just kind of theoretical bullshit. But they, many of, many of the, those were attacked, like Ethereum Classic was attacked many times. And- yeah, Ethereum Classic got fucking wrecked. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, like, why did they merge mine? It's it's really about the lowest hanging fruit in a lot of these situations. You know what I mean? Like the the coins that are easiest to crack on certain hash rates. I mean, uh, certain algorithms are going to get cracked first. You know, why not? If you're building up this capacity to do it, like right. I feel like those lower hash rate chains are sort of like uh, canaries in the coal mine. Yeah, I mean, so maybe I'm just being. Uh, skeptical for skeptical sake, but for whatever reason, my gut just like every time I see this merge mind shit, I just don't trust it, and it just seems wrong to me. But I can't put my finger on it. Um, so how does it work then? In, <laughs> say a drive chain, right? Like if there's no block subsidy for it because you're not making a shit coin. Like how how does that work? Well, you pay fees, and then the the side chain miner uses those fees to pay for block space on the main chain. Gotcha. So, uh, so that's the the security model. I think it's, I'm not sure, but it's, I think it's safe to say it's based on the money spent. It's just a cleaner way to do it. You spend money and you secure the chain. You don't have to buy poor proof of work stuff, ASICs and video cards, and start mining things. And you just reuse Bitcoin and you pay money for it. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Fair enough. Um, so, I mean, before we close this up, I mean, I wanted to talk about, uh, I guess you're like working on this like distributed, like uh, broadcasting platform, like a distributed Twitter. I think you're calling it Nostra. <laughs> yeah. Did I pronounce it right? Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't think about how to pronounce things. But- I have clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like how do you say that Jeff? Are we saying that right? He doesn't even know. Yeah, Does it matter? <laughs> doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So what is this? Nostra. Oh, that's a way, the best way I could find to to stop the censorship stuff on the internet. And like Twitter censorship. But then it, I realized it could be used for more stuff. And it's, uh, I'm not sure how to explain it. It's a, it's, a, it's a decentralized thing, but it's not peer-to-peer. You have servers and you connect to the servers and you send your stuff to these servers and someone else can listen to this stuff, like the server will send to them. And you can use multiple servers and you're always safe because there will always be some server that even like the idea is that the servers will block you, but you you can use another server 
but you you own your identity like it's not like mastodon the server knows it knows it owns your identity so if the server blocks you you're screwed and but with there, mastodon with mastodon the server owns your identity too right yeah that's what i'm saying sorry right. <laughs> mastodon the server owns your identity on Oster, you own because it's a a, oh. a key pair and then you just use the server to publish stuff and if the server blocks you you have other servers that you're also publishing to and you can also start your own server and people can follow you in any server as long as they know your your public key or you can use some kind of dns stuff to give that public key a readable name so it's like a federated twitter where you control your identity because it's a public private key pair yeah basically that and like it's, it's a small change like this the that's the essential change between that and Noster and mastodon uh, but you, you you get a ton of cool things with this change like the fact that it becomes like a, a network for enemies in the sense that you can have multiple servers and we, we call them relays but each can have its own policy one can do chaos kyc and the other can just ban certain topics and the other can be free and the other can charge one can store your stuff for you the other can just relay it and delete it and you can, you, it's a very flexible model and since you since and there's there's a way to pay for these things because you're you're you have a relationship with a server and you know that server and then that server can charge you for extra things or the basic service of relaying your things so you can use that to pass more things than just twitter messages i think I mean, it it, and yeah. theoretically that could be like your lightning public key too if we're just gonna yeah. that, right yeah it could be i made it like because i was very feeling very fancy i made the public keys in the protocol to be taproot keys like the beep <laughs> 342 keys very cocky <laughs> yeah because I, I thought oh maybe someone wants to do some weird cryptographic stuff with these keys but yeah it doesn't make much difference the, i mean the, that the yeah that's the main negative of mastodon right so like to the freaks i don't know mastodon's like a federated version of twitter but that has competition among the servers which are you know the different federations i think instances are what they call them um but what happens is because you don't own your identity uh you know there's still a lot of friction if 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 whatever server you're using decides to fuck you or you know get very censorship happy it, it's hard to move your social graph uh your followers and your following or whatever uh to you know a way uh to mitigate that kind of thing it there's there's a heavy friction layer there right yeah yeah they have a way to export but it assumes the server is cooperative like right. the server Which will feel the whole purpose yeah. so if you're kicked off like there's no way to move yeah and that they they also have this this narrative that each instance has its own identity like you have an instance for some kind of people and then another for other kind of people but in the end uh like if if i join a server that only allows talking about football and then i i start following people from other servers the football server will have to 
fetch all these posts from the, these other servers that are not their their its main interest, and then it becomes a. I think it doesn't scale very much. It only scales if there's some big servers, and I don't know. I'm not sure, but I, I don't think the incentives are aligned. I don't know how it's working to this day, but it seems to be working. <laughs> but the, the the main problem is this of the identity. I dig it. I like that concept. I mean, that was the main thing that was pushing me away. And to be honest, like the freaks say, like, "Why well, don't I use masks on more?" Like, fuck social media. <laughs> like, I just you know, I'm gonna use Twitter till I get banned, and then sayonara. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I use the. I like the private group chats. I, I think it's uh, it's a healthier it's a healthier way to stay in touch with people and have real discussions. Um. Obviously, I think Dispatch is a great format for real discussion as well. Um, yeah, so I mean, I think this has been a great conversation. Uh, oh, this is one thing I want to talk about: Ellen URL. So we have the we have the QR code on the bottom left. Um, I saw you like talking shit about the Ellen URL maintainer. Like, the, uh, you want to talk I think about I am the maintainer now? Yeah. I oh, now you're the maintainer. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's all you have to listen up, kids. You have an open source project out there. You don't like the way things are being run. All you have to do is go talk shit on the maintainer, and it's going to be yours now. No, it's name Robson or something. I, that, that was not the maintainer. Like, that, just the guy who had the initial idea for channels. The, the first idea was withdraw, like getting a channel automatically from uh, a peer from your mobile wallet. And then it was implemented by BOW. And then Anton was the maintainer, but then he, he gave the repository to me. I think he got, he didn't like it anymore. I don't know. <laughs> but the guy who invented it, uh, he, thought, he, he, he thought that by encoding the, like this QR code, it has a bunch of garbage on it bunch of letters and these letters are batched to encoded URLs, normal URLs. And it could be just uh, a normal, a, a plain URL instead of the batch 32 thing. But, but the guy thought that the QR codes would be smaller if you encoded them in this batch 32 thing. Mm -hmm. But in fact, they aren't. Like you could, he could have checked this in one minute, but he didn't. <laughs> so now we're stuck with this protocol that we can't change now because it will break everything. Oh, so it would be but, easier if it was just a URL. It was just a yeah, plain text yeah. QR code URL, right? Yes, yes. So we can't change it now. Why can't we change it now? Like hardly Dude, any wallets use it. You're man. Just put in a pull request. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I can't just change the thing on the, the protocol, and then that will just break everything. There's, no, there's not many wallets that support it yet, right? Are there? I mean, BLW supports it. Wallet of Satoshi supports it. Zeus supports it. Does Zeus support it? Oh, yeah. Well, we support a bunch of them, and it's mostly Fiat Jeff's doing. Uh, but uh, we, we don't support, uh, what is it, Channel or Auth yet? I'd really like to get Auth in. I think Auth is my favorite one. Well, this, so that's dope. These things are all different, like they're separate. It's weird that they all have the same name, but. Yeah, they're different concepts sort of yeah. playing on top of Lightning. Uh, but yeah, they all have to be implemented separately. 
but yeah, auth is the idea that you can, you know, be connected on, on your to your node, right? And then you are presented with a QR code on the site to log in. You scan it. Uh, your node talks to the web server, and uh, you get logged in. I think that's a really awesome way to get rid of passwords in a lot of places. Uh, so, Jeff, my question is, what the hell do we have to do to get this working in Zeus? Well, um, I don't know. You have to look at what Breeze did uh, because they, they did something with the LND keys. Uh, yeah, you, you just have to, to use a, a private key. And where that does that private key comes from doesn't matter very much, very much, but it's, it's better if you were reusing your Bitcoin seed key. So, yeah. Yeah, and gotcha. last time I was looking at it, LND needed a fix. But yeah, it seems like the Breeze guys has a, some sort of workaround. Yeah, yeah there's a workaround. You, you, I think they, the LND has that sign message thing, and you can sign a message that's in the protocol, like on the in the LND of spec. Like you sign a default message, and you use that signature because it's deterministic. You use mm -hmm. that as your LNUR key. So very, yeah. Yeah, that's just a way to generate the key from the LND node. And, and you need uh, a different key for each site too, right? Yeah, yeah. Then you take that key and you age mac it with the website's the domain. Domain name, yes. The yeah. Then you have a key for the website. But the idea is that you you, you only need the, the the seed key from LND, and you can generate all the other keys. Yeah. yeah. But this is a very old idea, like the, the idea of LNURF. There's a protocol called SQL, SQRL, something that did this exact same thing. It and sounds like you named it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> OK. And there's the bit, bit ID. Uh, nice. what's, what is it called? Bit ID. Bit ID I, don't, I don't know. Someone did it Bitcoin keys. But these two, and maybe there are others, uh, the, the problem with them is that you can manage the middle people. You can make the a website can make you sign something that's actually valid for the other website, and then they steal your your credentials. But uh, LN URL off solves that by genuity, uh, by making these keys get that are different for each domain. And so. in practice, in practice, what the user is seeing is, and I, and I, I may or may not have tested this out with LNMarkets.com, uh, is that you can just like sign, mm -hmm. you can just, you just open a lightning wallet that's compatible. I mean, Phoenix is the one that I tried it with. I did, or I didn't try it with. And then you just scan the QR code and it just automatically signs you in. And every time you want to sign back in, you just scan the QR code. And it's as simple as that for the end user, right? Yeah. 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 Rules. Awesome. Rules too. It, doesn't, it doesn't have to be a lightning wallet, actually. It could be any key. Could right, but I'm just saying, I'm saying in, in practice, this is what a Bitcoin user would see probably, right? They probably yeah, yeah, use yeah. a lightning wallet. The cool part is you already have the wallet, right? And you're yeah. And presumably, you're going to be funding the service with that same wallet, right? So you use LNURL for withdrawals and you use it Lightning for deposits and you use LNURL auth for, um, I guess you could use LNURL to pay as well, but you, you can use the whole stack. What's interesting is LN Markets is down, by the way, right now. Amazon, Amazon CloudFront. 
Oh, block for my country. It's because I oh, I see my <laughs> VPN is is in America right now. Um, <laughs> it happens. It happens. Um, VPNs don't exist, so like, of course, the IP blocks work. Uh, so the so we we hit that. That was uh, so. I think Ellen URL to me. Um, you know, maybe I'm a little bit biased as a content creator, but uh, is kind of to me is like this holy grail that we've been working for for a while. Where, uh, and I see this in in the work I do with activists who are trying to accept donations. This idea that we could have uh, like a fixed, some kind of fixed text or fixed QR code that never changes, that still allows you to accept donations in a relatively private way. Um, because let's be honest, like if you're accepting donations, like BTC pay server is way too heavy. Like that's, that's ridiculous. Um, so would you agree Fiat Jeff that like, that's kind of our best path forward right now? Like, you know, stealth addresses, you know, aren't really happening on Bitcoin. Um, mm, yeah, I think it's good for donations that they'll end up paying, but, uh, yeah, I think it's good for donations and my idea with it. Initially, when I suggested it, was like to make things in the physical world with it, because on the on a website, if you're joining a web, open a website, the website can generate a lightning invoice, not a normal lightning right. invoice, to you at any at any time. But in the in the, in the streets, like you you want you want to buy some food on the street, and the the seller can just have a single QR code there. And you scan it, and the the seller knows your bot, and that kind of thing. There right, are many many niche niche use cases like this. Um, yeah, but for for streams like this, like you use this, is good too. And the, the, it uh, besides just making a payment, there's also also like you can return stuff to the user, so you can have some form of interactivity there. Like the user receives a code on their wallet and they use the code to open a door or something, or they, I don't know. If, if you saw like there's there's videos from, uh, I forgot what the channel is, but that's BTC Socialist is in these videos. Right. And he puts a, a QR code with an LR there. And if you scan and pay a hundred sets, like he gets slapped in the face by a- Right, like smoke bombs and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah classic yeah that's no, that's the vision that's the vision i had and he's working on he's working on that with ellen bits i think like to have uh i, I guess that's it he's the lead maintainer of that project to to create like basically a streamer's cool toolkit if you're a streamer and you want to uh add the add these things he's like making it so it works with uh obs uh which is like a very common software that streamers use um so Fiat Jeff, I mean, one of the things that I really like about you is that you're super contrarian. I feel like you're always like mouthing off at people um, on Twitter, but but you do it from a like a builder's point of view. Like I feel like you're also, you know, like you're building you're building products that you know projects that that I feel like there's just like not that much focus on. Like once again, like LNTX bot, like you think it's like this boring project, but it's like a super useful thing that like. I assume, you know, thousands of people are, are it's probably one of the more popular lightning wallets. No one's competing with you. Like no one's even bothering to try. Um, 
what is like before we leave here like what is for the freaks like what is you know hit us with some contrarianism like what what is a common fallacy that bitcoiners parrot all the time what is something that frustrates you you know like what like uh yeah uh, yeah that's well the the last the latest one I've, I've been thinking about is the the problem of lightning htlcs like there's this fund from big cashers i don't know if you remember like uh, some time ago, the guy saying that oh, HTLCs they they don't work for small payments because they are uneconomical, and then everybody got mad at him. I just, I forgot the name. Oh, it's Peter Reason, I think, was saying this, but he's right, and everybody refused to acknowledge that. I think, or they acknowledge, but they say, oh, it's not a big problem, because uh, when you when you make a lightning payment the htlc it goes to like you, you create a virtual you create an output for the htlc on your commitment transaction and then if that htlc if the peer uh fails you like you have to close the channel and then redeem that htlc either the the receiver redeems it with a pre-image or the sender redeems it with after a timeout that's the the, the the point and for most well like if, if the fees are like five dollars most lightning payments are below five dollars and when they're over five dollars uh they get split by mpp and so they get below they have the the threshold and then you don't create these these htlcs because they would be uneconomical to redeem on the chain so they just don't exist, uh, and the, the amounts go to the to the minor fees of that transaction if they that transaction ever gets published. But the the node implementations they act like 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 if the HTOCs existed. So the HTOC doesn't exist. You can't redeem it, but your node says, "Oh, the other node isn't cooperating. I will close the channel to redeem the HTOC," and then it closes the channel, <laughs> and then. The only there is realized there's no HTOC there, so it closed the channel for no reason. <laughs> so I've I've been talking to some people uh, about this idea, and most of the people I talked to, they were they were like, "Oh, I think it's not so bad," but I think this is really bad. <laughs> yeah, that was a contrarian take, very complex. I think there there's there's ways to improve this that I came up with, but other people may come up with better ways. I mean, the main takeaway, right, is that like if if you do a transaction on Lightning that's under the dust limit of whatever the dust limit is at any given time, potentially dust limit in the future, uh, then all of a sudden that's not a trust minimized payment anymore, right? Because there's no way to actually settle it. That's yeah. the, that's the yeah. crux of the issue. Yeah. And then the, the entire Lightning protocol assumes that you get a pre-image that's a proof of your payment. Right. But you don't get that pre-image if the channel, if the, if the, like, in a normal HTLC, the ideal world in which everything is HTLCs, you would get that. Even if a channel failed in the middle, the, the, the party would still see the pre-image on the chain and pass the pre-image back, back until it gets to the, to the sender. But if these HTOCs don't exist, 
there's no pre-image. So you could have paid, the person could have received the payment, but you never get a proof of payment. I think this is serious because yeah, yeah it, it doesn't happen very often, I think, or maybe it, it does it, but we don't know. <laughs> but I think this is serious. And I think people should stop pretending it, Lightning is fully trustless, like, and face the fact that these payments aren't trustless and then do something about it instead of just assuming they are and closing the channels for no reason. And what I feel like happens is like whenever you bring it up, like like there's just like a lot of hand waving, like, oh, well, like you should just pick trusted channel partners. Yeah, but that doesn't, like, doesn't... What are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, but even if you have trusted channel partners, like it's... Most of the times, it's not the fault of your channel partner. It's not the channel partner trying to cheat on you. It's just right. a fail, a, a bug, or some other peer uh, did something on. on yeah, the, just on not the getting route. the confirmation, not getting all the way back. Yeah, it's definitely an issue. That and if, it would be much better the protocol if we faced this this fact and realize it's not fully trustless, but we can still use it and stop closing channels for no reason. Yeah, if you want trustless, then you use the main chain and, and pay the fees as you know, as you have to because because you're using a, a you know a a very robust protocol. Mm -hmm. And if you want if you want a lighter trade-off balance uh, that is cheaper and faster, uh, that requires a little bit more trust, then you use lightning, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think a, a better model for these that involves more trust and maybe third-party arbiters to to prevent abuses, like would scale better and would allow for other kinds of payment protocols to be integrated with more easily. I don't know. And also, we wouldn't we could use PTLP PTLCs like the the DLC stuff. Today without without taproot because it wouldn't happen on the chain. It would never go to the chain. Hmm. Without taproot. Yeah, without taproot. Would you want to jump into that? I mean, I'm a little bit confused on what you just said there. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Let's skip this. <laughs> okay, fair enough. That's what I love about Bitcoin. I feel like we're all just different levels of confused and we're just doing it together. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely confused. <laughs> um, I mean, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate you joining us. I mean, like I, I think I said this in the beginning. I don't know if we we're on air yet, but this is um, your your first English language podcast, uh, which is fucking awesome. I, it's, I'm very proud of the amount of... Um, podcast virginities I've taken here on dispatch over the last uh, 22 episodes. Um, I think it's, uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's just, it's awesome. I, I, I want to do something different with dispatch. I don't want to do more of the same. There's a lot of content out there for you freaks. Um, and I, you know, I wanted to do something unique and something, something different that added value. So, Every day that I get to do that with Dispatch is fucking awesome. Um, yeah, we have John Fisher in the comments over my head. One of the other cool things is that one thing I've noticed with BitDevs um, is like 
I feel like even if the over the head stuff is happening around you, you kind of just like you absorb some of it and you just keep doing it and you'll just keep yeah, absorbing yeah. it. I only understood how Bitcoin basic things work like after many years of not thinking I had understood but was wrong and then I read something old and I didn't understand and it, it was terrible but it's good in the end. Exactly. Um, I, like if you're not, you know, if you're not confused, you're probably not pushing yourself hard enough, I think is like a, a relatively good rule of thumb. Yeah, and yeah. And like, don't pretend you like know something you don't like. It's such a deep rabbit hole with all these sub rabbit holes you can get sucked down to. And, you know, it's obviously impossible to keep track of it all. So with all that said, do you guys have any final topics that you want to discuss before we wrap it up here? Uh, I don't think so, Jeff. You got anything? No, I've talked too much. <laughs> not enough. You have not talked enough. It, it's been an honor yeah. to have you here. You got to come back on. Uh, do some other issues. I'm sure Matt will pair you up with someone who pokes a little less fun at you. But I'm still, uh, <laughs> I'm still a little bit shocked you came on, Fiat Jeff. To be honest, I, it's it's been an honor. Um, yeah, okay, well. I appreciate both of you guys. I appreciate the work you've done. I appreciate you coming on. I encourage you to continue your work. I will do my best um, from my pedestal to support you guys and use your projects and advocate for people to support and use them as well. Um, on that note, if you're an open source contributor and you're looking for funding, consider submitting your project at opensats.org. We're going to be announcing our first sets of grants very soon, um, probably at the conference. We'll see on June 4th, June 5th in Miami. Um, if you haven't already, consider donating to the Bitcoin car at the Indy 500 that is being led by Jack Maulers. He will not be driving it. Ed Carpenter will be driving it, but uh, <laughs> he, he is leading the initiative and all those funds are going to open source development, Bitcoin-focused open source development. You can get that at strike.me slash racing. Um, also, as I said earlier in the show, any donations that came in through that LNURL QR code um, during the length of the show will be split 50-50 between me to recoup costs and uh, the IndyCar. Um, you should also pressure every company in the space and every person who likes to flex about how much Bitcoin they own on Twitter um, into donating here. I, it's a very baller initiative. We have a race car that will win the race. Um, it's a very flashy race car and it's a good time to peer pressure your favorite influencer and corporation. So consider doing that. Um, yeah, with all that said, I thank both of you guys. Uh, Evan, I'll see you in Miami. Uh, Fiat Jeff, I hope to meet you one day in person and uh, split a beer. Well, we could have our own beers, but but share beers. Um, and thank you both. Thank you. Yeah, thanks again for having me again, Matt. Cheers, freaks.
Mr. West, Mr. West, Mr. Fresh, Mr. By himself, he's so impressed. I mean, damn, did you even see the test? You got D's, motherfucker D's. Rosie Perez, and yes, barely passed. Any and every class, looking at every app. Cheated on every test, I guess. This is my dissertation. Homie, this shit is basic. Welcome to graduation. Good morning. Detroit red cleaned up from the streets of the league from an eighth to a key but you graduate when you make it up out of the streets from the moments of pain look how far we done came haters saying you changed now you doing your thing good morning Love you, freaks. Thank you for tuning in for another Bitcoin Tuesday. You guys make it all worth it. Uh, just a quick reminder that Citadel Dispatch is available on all of your favorite podcast apps. Uh, it makes me feel dirty, but consider subscribing and giving a good review. It does go a long way. I do appreciate it. I will see you on Thursday for Rabbit Hole Recap. I'll see you next Tuesday for Citadel Dispatch. I have about 20... Dispatch first run hats left. If you want one, hit me up via Telegram or Keybase. I love you all. Stay humble, stack sets. 200K by conference day, still in play.